Welcome, everyone. It's the Grace Course Podcast. Regular guest Dan Heroy here with us. If you're watching, you can see his wonderful uh, Buffalo Bills hat, uh, sure. if that's important to you guys. Um, if, if it's especially important to you guys, some of you will be checking out right now. You know, they just made the playoffs. podcast yeah. written off. So, yeah, Dan's been on the podcast a bunch of times. We regular guest. Have I a like good that. chat, and that's why he's a regular guest. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he'll probably All be a regular guest again, probably in April when I come to stay with you guys. And, oh, amazing. Uh, New England, and we're going to do some stuff there. Um, do some yeah, stuff. We're just going to yeah. banter, I guess, about we want to talk deconstruction. We want to talk about cognitive dissonance and a whole bunch of different things, how we process changing beliefs and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be good. But, Dan, how you doing? I mean, doing good man it's just gonna be a natter away you know i mean we're just gonna talk about whatever comes to mind so uh this might be a little bit of a different uh podcast than just like a traditional interview right which yeah. we like and very different from my last i think eight podcasts were just a series and they were all like two hours of information just jam-packed information um, right so this is gonna definitely be that's not gonna happen here. <laughs> <laughs> it's I think- be great information but it's gonna be a lot more soft hopefully more uh gentle in its approach and probably a bit more funny uh, i would hope so. so yeah a bit more funny i don't know if that's a sentence that works but it's okay i mean basically the thing with us too is we're just going to talk about whatever comes to mind maybe some of those topics and probably others and then we're going to kind of loosely throw out some ideas that may or may not be true that we may or may not believe yeah. and oh, 100%. be a little wishy-washy it's going to annoy people but uh that's not our intent our intent is just to have a good talk about things yeah, and let's well, see what both, sticks. Both you and I love to play devil's advocate as well. Sure. And so nine times out of 10, we can end up having an argument where I'm arguing for your position and you're arguing it for mine because we've chosen to take yeah. the opposite point. Uh, yeah, that's pretty so true. There's a, there's a very safe bet. Don't take hold either of us too strongly to what we say uh, in a podcast. But, but, but yeah, I, think, I think we will on the whole here. Oh, man, you've broken up already. We're like a minute in. Yeah. You there? It glitched on me there. You glitched that yeah. hard. Okay, we're good. Sorry, you were about to say uh, let me, Yeah, let me just say, yeah, it cut me off. That's a bad sign. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say that, uh, you know, it, it does come across a bit wishy-washy, like I said, at times where we go, well, you know, I think this is true and that's true, but whatever. We'll kind of bail out in the end. And it's not for lack of a- actual beliefs no. or believing that, you know, anything is true and whatever you believe is true is true. Like, I don't believe that. Maybe Phil does. We'll find out. But uh, um, I just, I don't like to be pinned down on a authoritative, this is the only way type mm. statement. And I know, especially coming from a church background, faith background, there is a need for that in church. I can see that. And there is a lot of that in church. But um, I don't like to speak in those terms, not because I don't believe that something is true, but just because sometimes I haven't figured out what that thing is, right? Yeah. And we're going to get into that with some of the de- deconstruction stuff. Um, but I also don't want people to think, oh, he just believes whatever he wants to at whatever time he wants to. It's not that, you know, it's not that yeah. simple. I think, I think um, speaking for myself, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I, I want to live convicted of what I believe. So mm-hmm. I do have a belief. I have sets of beliefs in different areas of life, and I live as though those beliefs are true. That's just how I think most human beings operate. However... I don't cling to those beliefs as though they cannot change 
nor when I live as those, those beliefs are true, do I ever at any point think it's likely that they're not likely to change at some point or there's an opportunity for them to change. And so right. I believe this is true and I'm going to live this way, but I'm also very open for someone coming along. You know, you come on a podcast and go, Phil, what about this? And I go, oh, I don't know. Right. And, and I'm, I'm really open for it to challenge my belief that I'm living as much as I can be. And, and of course, that's something that we all struggle with doing. None of us like to change our belief and find out we're wrong. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I I, I want to live convicted of something. Live as though something matters. You know. Right. Uh, so if I believe that uh, someone living uh, homeless and poor is a bad thing, and they deserve some sort of uh, meaning in life and and care, and they deserve some shelter, and they deserve to have a meal for the next day, uh, I'm gonna live convicted of that and make sure they can eat. You know, I'm gonna try and help them have some shelter. But now, Phil, let me let me play the other side that. to that. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but it's important for us to live convicted. You know, like if you have a belief that people, you know, are valuable, you need to live like people are valuable. You know, you can't just consistently go, well, yeah, but I don't know that they're valuable. Who knows? So let's just wait and sit on the fence the whole time. We have to right. at some point start living at our beliefs. And some beliefs you would hope are concrete enough to last. We don't want our beliefs to change all the time, but like you're saying, you're open sure. to them if they're challenged sure. and yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would say any belief is open to change. Uh, many beliefs have a higher probability of change than others. There you go. So for example, uh, you brought up before we started the call, you brought up something called the Enneagram. Um, and mm -hmm. you were saying, are you into that? I'm like, I, I just haven't explored this yet. I, I've kind of done a couple of tests and I'm like, eh, I just don't see how it's that important or that relevant and I'm not that interested. Now, yeah. because I've not looked into it a lot, I am very open to it being quite important and right. massive impact. But I'm not going to live like it does because I don't have any real evidence of that yet. Um, right. And so I'm going to go on with my day-to-day -day life. But if someone hits me with some really good data on how this could help me, I'm going to quite quickly change. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas there's other things in my life where um, you know, maybe my, my faith personally in the person of Jesus, that uh, you take any component of that. Jesus is God, for example, right? So I believe personally that the person of Jesus is God in flesh. Now, that's my belief, and I'm going to live convicted of that. But I'm going to be open to something happening that I don't know if, I don't know, Allah walked in the room just now and was like, hey, Phil, <laughs> slightly wrong. It's all good, though. Let's work around it. I'd be like, I'm gonna have to think some stuff through, right? But I'm pretty confident based on my experience, based on the fact that I have devoted my entire life to studying this, to researching this, to having a relationship with Jesus, to living the life of Jesus as much best I can, following his way. I'm pretty confident that that's a lot less likely to change than my opinion of the Enneagram. Right. You know, so I, there's I probability think, yeah. changes here in the things. Gravity. You know what? If some scientist goes, hey, we're slightly off. Gravity is not quite right or it doesn't quite work the way we thought it did. I'm like, OK, right. cool. You guys know more than me. Sure. But generally speaking, I have no reason to change my thoughts on gravity. And I don't see it being probable that it's going to change in my life. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's constantly things that are um, up for challenge. But the, the degree to the which probabilities to yeah. be, uh, change is, is going to vary. And I think we all have those things where. If people challenge you on something, you're probably like, ah, don't really care. I don't have a bone in that fight. And that's probably a factor as well, right? So yeah. the more I've bought into something, there's a concept of buy-in, um, which is a, an interesting component where we, the, the more we buy into a theory or a belief, the less likely we are going to be able to change that theory or belief or, or yes, accept very alternative true. theories and beliefs, which is really scary for us as Christians, right? 
or anyone that holds to a very strong belief about something. It could be scary for someone who's a Democrat or Republican, right? I mean, right. that's their view or um, any of these kind of identities that we, we buy into. Yeah, it's interesting. I've problems. been, uh, you know, looking into a little bit of that lately. I mean, it's a, it's a popular topic like confirmation bias, right? That's kind of mm -hmm. come into the forefront of um, conversation the last couple of years. And people like um, Robert Cialdini, um, you know, psychologists and people that study human behavior um, have written some really interesting studies on that, where um, we think as Christians, as like people with political leanings, with people with opinions that let's say 90% of what we believe is based on fact, we'll, we'll maybe give ourselves 10%. Um, there's 10% emotions involved. Yeah, you know, I'll give it that some of my beliefs might be based on emotions, but 90% of what I believe is fact because I studied it, I've really thought hard about it, and it's just true because I, I know it's true and I've proven it to be true. The people that are studying this confirmation bias stuff, like Robert Cialdini and others, are going, let's probably flip those numbers. Way more likely that 90% of what we believe is based on emotion and there's probably 10 percent fact sprinkled in there for most people and um if once you kind of understand that a lot of your beliefs and i'm not just talking um spiritual beliefs or political beliefs but everything you believe if you understand that's how humans primarily operate a lot of the time is with confirmation bias where you already have your beliefs established way up front and everything else from there nine out of ten times um for survival um, factors for just ease of life factors um, we just support that belief we already have yeah. and there's yeah. macro and micro ways of doing that um, so it's really interesting to dig into that and see oh a lot of us do that all the time and if you are aware of it maybe you can uh, help yourself to not do it so much or at least be aware when you're doing it or be aware when others are doing it and it, and it can, be, can become a really helpful thing to know about for sure I think yeah, absolutely. So do, would you say that um, since becoming aware of something like confirmation bias, um, has that been something that you've had moments of since where you go, oh, I might be doing this? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. It's in the back of my mind all the time now. Not, it, it's not obsessive. It's not like, oh, you know, that thing I just thought, do, do I believe that or is that blah? No, but it's, it's just back there a little bit going, oh, I had a really strong reaction to this news story and um you know mm. i thought i was right and this person that's talking is in, uh, really presenting their opinion like they're 100 percent right and both sides think i have the facts this other person's a, a bit you know flaky or emotional and you just got to go well it's possible i might be too on this and then kind of right. go from there and just navigate what your beliefs are maybe look into things a little bit further if it's important there's a lot of things that are you know just mundane um that we might have an opinion on so it's not going to be a crucial mm. thing but you know the bigger subjects in life relationships and uh, spiritual stuff you know maybe politics and and stuff like that we probably should dig into a little bit deeper not just go with the default we've always gone with because it's probably a default that got established and we've just gone from there because for humans it's it's really hard to change out of a concrete belief system right this is mm. your whole life dealing with this um you can lose your church community, you can lose your family community, your political community. Yep. To say you might be wrong is there's actual repercussions from that that could be major, yeah. right? No, huge. So huge. Like, I mean, there's 110 different things like flying through my mind as we're, we're talking. So I'm trying to practice the whole thing of like, listen, don't like start ah. going on the rabbit trails in my mind. But the first thing that I think of with that is like, 
you know, we as humans are wired not for truth. Like our brain has no desire for truth. Our brain okay. is, is wired for safety. Hmm. Our brain is wired for, for survival. Right. That's uh, what they say. Yeah. You know? And so when you are faced with truth, your brain doesn't care. Is this true or not? What your brain cares about as we're talking about the brain as if it's like a independent thing that's you know, sitting there like with a pen and paper, like, you know, like, but, yeah. but generally speaking that we're wired um, to, to go, is this putting me in danger or is this going to keep me safe? And generally speaking, when we face something that's going to contrast with our way of life, which we know is safe, we go, Oh, I don't know if this is going to be safe. It might be dangerous. This, this might not be safe. Um, and so the brain is constantly weighing this up and, I think there's certain people with dispositions that enjoy the, the, you know, questioning things and probably different angles who may find it less dangerous to explore yeah. things. Cause the Phil you know, Drysdale's of the world. Well, I was going to say like you, you know, so uh, okay. honestly, you know, I would consider <laughs> right. you as someone that is quite open to exploring different views, giving people a lot more grace yeah. than, than a lot of the population do. You know, I, I can be very, very opinionated. And at times people come up with a, a different idea and I can be really quick to uh, argue mm. with that and I'm getting better at that I, I really believe I, I, I've been trying to get intentionally better at that but I still mm. think I can be quite <laughs> argument you're very much like, oh well tell me more about it. I want to learn where you're coming from I want to understand and so do you think that there are people that will have a uh, and you may have said this more than me but I've not studied it enough to know do you think some people are predispositioned to be more self-aware of something like self, of, of cognitive bias because i know about cognitive bias but it's not something i think about all the time whereas it sounds like you're like really processing through that lens well that's a great yeah because you know what i've always um had a awareness of that's probably going on well well before i ever heard that phrase or looked into you know studying it more um so let's just pick on politics just it's so easy we use we oh, usually yeah. use like really basic like analogies and and uh, stuff but that's fine that's that's what we have to work with <laughs> i say we when i'm doing it um uh, well, I did. <laughs> okay so let's look at politics i've always known it just seems so obvious to me from a young age that both sides in politics, and in America we have like mostly a two-party system, so you got Republicans and Democrats, mm -hmm. and um, they both just are so uh, irrational a lot of times with their beliefs, right? Their person could do the same thing that the other person does, but when the other person does it, they hate it. When their person does it, it's a free pass. Right. But they, they seemingly don't know they're doing it. They can't Whoa, see it. Whoa, they can't see it. And I've always right. just gone, I see it from both sides. I don't want to be like that. And, I, and again, I probably am more than I uh, know. But at least I know, okay, I want to at least try to be rational when um, it's so emotional between like a two-party thing, my team, their team. So from a young age, I've always like, I'm independent. I don't get involved in like the heated, like super emotional discussions and debates. I just don't engage with that because it is so divisive and, and it's so dual, you know, that um, there's something going on there. Because you can see if you if you are looking from a outside perspective, so to speak, you can see what's going on, where it's just if the letter switches, the, the argument switches, you know, 180, you know. Mm. So interesting. So we just had a big election this week. I don't know when this will go live, probably I don't know, either this week or I'll push it through to next year. Um, but <laughs> we just had an election next year. So open terms, you know, right. like, you know expect this <laughs> August. Uh, yeah. no, probably the first week of next year. But um, we just had this huge election in the UK, very important. And again, very much between two parties. There's kind of five, six main parties, but uh, between two parties, really. Yeah. And um, 
what I did, because I, I wasn't well enough informed about all the policies of all the different parties, really. Mm -hmm. um, there was a website that broke down uh, each party's kind of manifesto to like 20 different points. They went through like, oh, this is what they say about crime. This is what they say about healthcare. This is what they say about housing. This is what they say about, you know, the foreign policy or whatever. And what you would do is you click the topic like foreign policy uh, and it would open up and then it would give you um, some bullet points and it would say, these are the bullet points of one of the parties. Mm. Do you like it or do you not like it? And then you'd say whether you liked it or not. And you go, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I don't like that. I, don't like it. Mm -hmm. I think overall I like it. So you'd say I'd like it. And it would give you another bunch of bullet points and say, this is another parties. What do you like? Mm. What do you not? And you go through it. And at That's the good. end, it gave you the ones that you said you liked. It said, here's the three out of the five or six that you like the most. Which one do you like the most of those three? And you'd select one and go, That's probably the one I like the most. Um, and you do this for all these 20 different points. And at the end, it would say, Okay, so you voted 20% for this party, about 30% for this party, and about 50% for this party. So actually, you know, of the five, you didn't like some of them completely. Yeah. But across the five, about three you quite liked. Right. And suddenly it, it, it highlighted to me how we can so often, so many people are like, uh, so in the UK, it's largely Labour versus Conservative, which would be similar to a Republican Democrat sure. kind of idea. And so it, same in America, right? So often we're like, well, I'm a Republican, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm a Democrat. My dad was a Democrat and we're Democrats in this area or we're Democrats because we work in this type of industry or we're Republicans, you know, we're yeah. Republicans because we're a part of this religion or whatever it is, you know, there's some association. But actually, I think if we were to be honest and break down the thousands upon thousands of nuances within politics and say, which, what, where do you land on this topic without any knowledge of which party says what? Yeah. We'd often find we are bouncing backwards and forwards between these two polar extremes quite often. Yeah. Um, because we don't have some extremist version of that either side of it. Really. Right. Maybe, maybe like one in a thousand of us is that extreme. Yeah. Um, but most of us are probably a bit of a blend of all these different. Uh, Probably, but it, some a lot of times it seems to boil down to one or two big things, and mm. you stick with those big things. Like yeah. I care about taxes, and this party does this with taxes. I like that. I'm yeah. that, and you ignore the uh, million other points, like you're saying, right? Yeah. So sometimes we just go with the biggest thing. I like this type of church service, so I'm, you know, I'm Methodist. I'm Catholic. I'm Greek yeah. Orthodox. I like this big thing. I'm not going to get into the million conversations we can have about nuances. So there's people that right. do the macro decision, and then there's people that do the micro, and a lot of people yeah. in between, right? And we probably have to do that to some degree in life, have right? To. At yeah. some point, yeah. we go, okay, well, I'm not a politician. I'm going to go through 10,000 policies. Yeah, 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 I, did yeah. This, exactly. I did this survey, and it was like, it took me about 30 minutes, I think. And yeah. I remember at the end of it thinking, it's better be worth it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm voting for like the future of my nation, for the decisions that will affect my grandkids. You know, like if you believe in politics and, and voting yeah. is important, like this isn't a big important thing. And I'm like, oh, stupid 30 minutes to right. make myself, you know? <laughs> so it's the same with like our faith, right? We're like, well, I, I, I just, uh, this is the real main thing I really care about is like full immersion baptism. I don't really care about, you know, like, <laughs> Holy Spirit or what you believe about this. You know, within that, that's, we pick our things that are the most I know. Right? Um, but to some degree, we have to, don't we? I mean, like, yeah, and at a to certain some degree, point. I, I understand with something like politics, a lot of people who would look at a specific thing and go, well, that's a life and death issue. That's a, you know, a pre personal preference. Or, or at least that's a life and death issue for people that I really care about that are close to me. And that's a life and death issue for people that are far away or very yeah. different. Even that is a, I have to be honest, we kind of do that to some degree, right? I, Probably. I, I, whether I like it or not, I, I kind of care more whether my wife dies than whether some stranger's wife dies. 
Yeah. Um, and if I'm voting on a policy that's arbitrary and it doesn't really affect that, or it doesn't, it doesn't affect me because it affects that stranger's wife that I don't really know or have any connection to. Yeah. I really am caring about this policy I can look at and I know that's going to make my wife homeless or, you know, or right. whatever, right. or die or whatever. Right. Um, and so I think there's all these different levels of stuff going on that we don't really consciously engage with. I think most of the time, most of it is also conscious, right? At, well, at, at very much so. I've also been doing, yeah, it's like some reading in that field of it. You would be shocked and, and amazed, both those things, uh, if you knew how um, influenced we can be by seemingly um, just really obscure and non-important things. Mm. You know, they've done a lot of studies on, you know, somebody buying something. So if you go into a shop that's playing german style music in the background they did a test people were like 50 percent more likely to buy german or swiss chocolate stuff like wow. that um there's like you know eons and eons of tests like this where people are simply manipulated in in a lot of ways um way more than we think we are because again we think we're basing everything we do on facts and study mm. and i just know it and i've thought about this i've reasoned this i've rationaled this and then you see humans get triggered really easy by just subtle tricks. So yeah. um, I say tricks, it's, that sounds nefarious. It's not necessarily nefarious. It's just the way we no, tend to be not. wired where we're going to associate and help people that are more similar to us. And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's part of the same culture, uh, yeah. race, church, whatever, political affiliation, sports team affiliation. All these mm -hmm. things really trick our brains into thinking, oh, this person's like me. I'm going to somehow associate and help this person or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on that we have no idea are going on. That's mm -hmm. basically the point of this long-winded thing is like, we, we're not aware at all about all the factors that are going into our decision-making process. Mm -hmm. We think it's just us making a decision, but it's really not that simple. So how does this play into faith, do you think? You know, if we, if we boil it down and kind of bring it back down to maybe uh, our tradition is, is within Christianity, and that's kind of where we yeah. stand, probably charismatic evangelical Christians. Where do you see this play out in, in the average life of evangelicals? Of, of I mean, maybe yourself and your journey? or It has to be an integral role, right? If this is going on constantly all the time, mm -hmm. where there's these sure. other outside factors that are, um, you know, again, I don't... But, you know, they're influencing us in, in ways to make decisions and believe certain things. Um, that has to be a part of how we've gotten to where we are in our current belief system, our current mm -hmm. belief structure. So just knowing that goes, oh, well, maybe I haven't actually dug into what, you know, what I really believe about this doctrine or this thing we do at church or, or that thing. I'm not sure. Christians might get or anybody uh, might be like, oh, well, so you think that it's just so random, you know, why I believe what I believe now and nine out of ten things are. Um, not fact-based and so everything's wishy-washy no I'm not saying that what you believe could be true it mm, could be based absolutely. in fact um, but there also could be uh, other things that aren't or it could be a little bit of a mixture right yeah. so it just um, as long as you're open like you've been saying to pry into what you believe a little bit deeper to maybe deconstruct things a little bit deeper that haven't really been looked into yet or uh, on a deeper level I think that could be a helpful tool mm. To some people, absolutely. Well, to some people, maybe not. To some people, it could be really destructive. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason that, that we have cognitive dissonance. Like I said, it's to keep us safe. And so, yeah. um, you know, and, and there's a degree of what that safety looks like, right? So sometimes it looks like, oh, I'm, I just feel a bit like I'm like a bit upset that I was wrong. You know, that's, that's a very minimal sense of like your brain going, oh, I don't want that. That's a bit dangerous. I don't want it, right? right. Versus, you know, uh, someone that might be quite mentally unstable going through something where they suddenly believe something is wrong and they realize they've had... I spoke to a pastor, I'll keep it completely anonymous because it's a really very um, profoundly devastating thing, to be honest with you. But I spoke to a pastor a few months ago and um, he went through my series that I did on homosexuality, which was, uh, for those that don't know, it's like a, a, an open-ended kind of uh, look at the topic of homosexuality. So I have three different views that are the common views of within Christianity, uh, how to approach that topic. And um, and generally, I went through all the Bible verses and said, how do each person, if I have a person in each of those views, how do they interpret that scripture, right? Which has their own bias, biases and pros and cons and, all that. Yeah. and how do they view history and how do they view the science and how do they view this? And so we just kind of left it open. But anyway, he came to me and he said, look, I have been in one of those three positions my whole life. And I have been so categorically and I've probably been at the extreme of that position where I've been, frankly, very, very um, antagonistic towards people who are homosexual and he's very yeah. open about this um and, and i've i've been like that in, in some ways in my in my path and so there's no judgment of that and, and i think that's uh, if anything it's, it's a very uh um very honorable thing to be able to say that and say but i'm not sure about that anymore and i'm challenged by that but he had said i've actually through going through your series and through different things that have happened in my life i've come to the conclusion that i'm actually pretty much on the other end of the spectrum so he's yeah. gone through you know because it's quite a broad spectrum of how to approach this sure. he says i've come to the other end and he says now, I've been a pastor, and he says, in my 15 years of being a pastor, he says, I've spoken about homosexuality quite a few times in the pulpit. I've met with homosexuals over coffee to help them because they've come to me and said, I'm gay and this and that. And he says, in my 15 years, two of the people that in my congregation have committed suicide because they were gay. And mm -hmm. he said, and I am realizing that on some level, I'm not the only responsibility here or the only you know reason or anything. He's saying, yeah. on some level, I'm coming to terms with the fact that I, I've been a part of them choosing to kill themselves, probably. Um, mm. my, whether it's me personally or the environment I created, the culture I created that didn't accept people that were in that background. And, and, and I thought, I was thinking about this guy and I was like, what amazing self-awareness. Mm. Because if there's ever a danger signal that you're trying to stop, it's like coming to terms with the realization you might have caused someone's death. You yeah. know, uh, with no with no malice intended, he genuinely believed what he believed, and he's now genuinely believes he was wrong, and, and is trying to deal with that. Yeah. But it just shows that the degree to which some of our beliefs can um, can play out, and then what it costs to change that belief, to co the cost for that man to to have gone through that series and gone, I think I might be wrong. Uh, you know, for some of us to, to make that change one way or the other, or to come a different view on homosexuality, doesn't really have a massive impact because we haven't uh, maybe known someone that was uh, of a different sexuality, or maybe we don't have anyone close to us, or maybe we weren't very vocal about what we believed, or maybe we weren't uh, very prejudiced or welcoming one way or another. And so it, ha it doesn't make a big difference for us to have this change of belief. But for other people, that's a huge, huge cost. Um, right. And I'm just amazed by. And this is why I was thinking back when I was saying to you, like, do you think certain people are more have a, a greater self-awareness or ability to be self-aware, uh, an ability to go, you know, I, I, I'm willing to make this shift because I, I see it in me. I, I mentioned to Tilly the other day, I was reading this um, article. It's about personality, uh, a certain personality defect that 
um, I had a preconceived idea about, and I'd been talking right. to her about it. I was like, I've been speaking about this type of personality, and I think it's really interesting. I think it could mean this. And she was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I could see how that might mean that. And I, I went and researched a few papers. I was reading two or three papers. And as I was reading papers, it turns out it doesn't mean that at all. There's no correlation of data. And right. it, there just is no evidence that that works. It's not that it's saying it doesn't work, but there's just nothing to say it does. Um, and I remember as I'm reading through it, I was like, I, I don't want to believe these scientific researchers that have gone through, you know, a ah. hundred people and done a case study. And I'm looking at the data and I'm looking right. at the data points. And I'm looking at the probability of margin of error is like, you know, 0.01 and you know, all these things. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I know this to be true. And I'm aiming right. myself going, but I want this idea that I had to be true. And right. that was one of the first times in my life I was like, oh, I'm getting a bit more self-aware that I'm noticing that. Because how many times have I done that in my life and just closed that report or that, you know, that, uh, write up or whatever, closed it and just moved on and pretended that I didn't see it and just right. taught what I wanted or uh, believed what I wanted. Yeah, I mean, classic cognitive dissonance. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, uh, the typical, like the cliche example for cognitive dissonance type stuff would be smoking. You know, somebody that knows smoking's bad, knows smoking will eventually, you know, probably kill them if they're, um, you know, smoking a pack a day or whatever it might be, but still smokes. Yeah. So there's that dissonance there that goes, I know it's bad. I know it's probably going to kill me or it's going to kill other people. Maybe it won't kill me um, or I can get away with it somehow. You start kind of maybe rationalizing, justifying, trying to find a loophole or not, but you're just living with this tension of, I know it's bad. I'm still going to do it. How about this one to bring it back to like a, a church um, area? Because uh, of the example you gave with your, with your friend there, the pastor, mm. pastors are faced with the tithing one a lot. I feel like there might be a lot of cognitive dissidents. I don't want to project onto pastors, but there could be a lot of cognitive dissidents with the tithing question where, uh, again, this is a little nuanced, but um, whether you believe you're under the curse of the old covenant way of tithing now in your church, mm -hmm. if people don't tithe, even if a pastor might see your points, because you've had a lot of good resources out there, you've put out a, a lot on tithing and, and what tithing means for today in the church. Even if they go, yeah, Phil's probably right. But if I agree with what Phil just put out there, I'm going to lose my tithe. I'm going to pay my bills, right? Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to keep going with the tithe. I have this cognitive dissonance yeah. where I know Phil's right, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Mm. Yeah. You know? And this shows as well that cognitive dissonance is such a short-sighted um, element as well. So think of the smoking, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about the brain keeping us safe and, and, and rejecting danger. Well, what, what's more dangerous than dying of lung cancer? You know what I mean? like, right. It's like, that's a pretty big danger, but it's, it's not, it doesn't care about that. It cares about the, the hormones right now that make it feel safe, the, 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 the rush that you get from having a cigarette. That, that it, it's, the only, it's the only product I've ever seen. I've literally seen it. At, there's like pictures of like people with lung cancer oh, on it, and it's awful. like, this will kill you. Looking at the packaging, right? Right. Yeah. But it will say, this will kill you. <laughs> you know, this will cause yeah. you to die. I've seen that written on it in like yeah. other countries, especially there's like stricter rules with what they have to put on there. Mm -hmm. And people are buying yeah. it. Like, oh, this will kill me? Yeah, sure. I'll take um, five packs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Cognitive dissidence at its best, right? But the pastor looking at that tithing, so I've, I've dealt with a lot of pastors over the years, it's even uh, a lot more so when I was traveling a lot because I'd meet hundreds of pastors a year when I was like staying with them, right. teaching in their churches and stuff. And, and they knew what I taught on tithing because it was all on my website. But Back when I, you were I, like I would, welcomed into churches and stuff. Yeah, well, I was a lot more... Uh, <laughs> uh, I played the party line a bit more probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... 
yeah, I, I would go into these churches and they knew I was teaching on tithing. I would never do that in their church. You know, it's not my place to say, right. to run those things. So I would never openly speak about uh, finances right. with churches anyway. It's probably why I have no money. Um, but <laughs> but um, I would talk with these pastors behind the scenes because they would say to me, hey, I've seen your article on tithing. Like, can you talk to me about that? What do you think? Do you think mm. I'm wrong by doing this? And, and talk to and, and, and a lot of them, we had really healthy conversations and we came to difference of opinion and that was that. But sure. a lot of them said, you know what? I kind of agree with you that I do think tithing is wrong. Um, but I guess now, uh, now back to the tithe. Well, yeah, but, but I don't know how to deal with it, right? I don't know how right. to not do this. So I, one case I remember strongly, we had this great conversation on the Saturday night, um, all about tithing. He's like, you know, I, I've known this for years. I really strongly feel that tithing isn't quote unquote biblical or, or mandated for Christians. Um, but then I remember in his sermon before, in his service, sermon's private, <laughs> so Freudian slip, in his service right before my, my message, there was a, like a five minute kind of call for a tithe, for people to give their tithe. Yeah. Um, and then I went up and taught. And I, was, I remember thinking as I was teaching, I'm like, wow, we just had like a two hour conversation right before about how the pastor didn't really believe in tithing and thought it wasn't really uh, actually very fair to say it's a biblical thing you have to do. God wants you to do, you'll be cursed. And like, but he's doing it still. Yeah. And, and, and we talked a bit about afterwards yeah. and he's like, yeah, he's just, I just, the issue is, he says, I don't know how I'm going to support my family or this. And what's interesting is what I have observed is this anecdotal. I don't have data on this. I don't think it's been particularly uh, well studied. Um, I, I just don't know if there's someone out there that's, that's looked into it or where they'd even find the case studies for it necessarily. Yeah. But um, my anecdotal experience is pastors that have been open about the change of heart they've had towards tithing and just said, look, I've, I've teached this my whole life, but I'm starting to think it's maybe not true. And this, let's look at these passages together and let's look at it and let's see what we think. Generally speaking, they will see a drop in their income. No question. Yeah. Almost yeah. immediately people start giving less. But what's interesting is long-term, their giving goes back to kind of normal, goes back to kind uh -huh. of the sustained kind of income of roughly about the same. Some of it increases, some is a bit less, but on the whole, it's, it doesn't, it's not a big hit. Right. Now, pastors that for a long time don't teach what they believe and, and they realize this and there's something going on there. I don't know what it is, but when they teach, there is this horrific drop-off. Um, or if people come to the conclusion themselves, where they feel that we feel like our pastor's lying to us or they're, they're holding back from us or they're not wanting to teach us. And, and there's a total different approach uh, to how people respond. And I think, again, it's the long-term thing where the cognitive dissonance, it might be protecting you short-term, but actually long-term, right. the best thing for you to do is to be open, to change, to, to tell people how you've changed and why. And well, yeah, I mean, just, just even thinking um, really simply about the dissonance, that means, you know, in, in music too, that's like a, a strong term where it's just a little off, right? It's just not connecting. Right. There's just um, something interrupting those waves. Um, and that's not a great way to live long-term, right? You can justify it short-term and live like that, but you're right. I can see that there being some significant long-term um, you know, dissatisfaction in areas yeah. of, of life. So it is good to sort those things out. But I feel like, you know, just that example you gave, that sounds like every church meeting we've almost ever been a part of. Think about what we do a lot of times, you know, what over the past 10 years, we'll go to a church and we'll maybe let's pick on like come Holy Spirit, you know, mm. like, oh, you know, like you say come Holy Spirit a lot, but you know, what, what if the Holy Spirit's here already now? And they go, wow, oh, good, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. But yeah, that makes total sense to me. This is great, guys. Thank you for teaching. Okay, thanks. All right, Phil, you can sit down here. All right, come Holy Spirit. We just, you know, come Holy Spirit. 
and that that's just where it yeah. goes back to that's what they pray they don't even ask you oh dan could you sing this song uh, come holy spirit or yeah yeah oh, i love that like, yeah. what, what, what just happened yeah it's cognitive dissonance confirmation bias whatever i mean i, I hate it's it's getting a bit ridiculous just slapping a, a label like that on people but a lot yeah. of those elements is what's happening and we yeah. do it too right and that's uh -huh. the thing where yeah. it's like we got to watch out because we're we're also guilty of doing that but a lot of churches we go to um it seems like that's been the anecdotal, uh, you know, evidence of what we've seen, right? Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this is where if we move into a more general look at Christianity, and I think uh, maybe not totally broad gen uh, Christianity, but at least Protestant Christianity. Mm -hmm. Protestant Christianity is built around what you intellectually believe. That mm -hmm. is really what it's ultimately boils down to is, do you intellectually yeah. believe this to be true? If so, you are saved. If so, mm -hmm. you're a good Christian. If so, you'll go to heaven. Right. Whatever the, the ultimate reward. But generally speaking, it is a can you intellectually agree with this argument or view? Right. Um, that's, that's basically the, the, the point of Protestant Christianity. Now, Orthodox, you know, Coptic, uh, Catholic, they might have a little bit more to say than that. Yeah. Um, uh, or even entirely different points to say to that. But generally speaking, that's where Protestantism is. And, and I think that's why... I think it's a, a specifically interesting point for people that have that background within Protestantism because you're pushed into cognitive dissonance quite a bit because right. generally speaking, if you have to agree with a certain way of thinking, that might work for like one point that's like when we're talking about, you know, that we've got a scale of things that like we can cope with being challenged, right? right. So like on most things, I'm like, yeah, sure, challenge that. It doesn't, that doesn't scare me too much, right? If someone's like, uh, do you really think Jesus was born at 401 High Street, Bethlehem? Could he have been born at 404? You'd be like, yeah, sure, I don't care, right? But then if you go, well, do you really think Jesus existed? You know, and then they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, right? So yeah. like we've got this like level of like, you know, do you really think Jesus was in Egypt for two years? Could he have been in for two and a half? I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. Okay, cool, cool, whatever. Yeah. But do you really believe Jesus died? Whoa, you know, like, right. so we've got these spectrums. But on the whole, within a lot of Protestant uh, Christianity, we, we have these kind of core fundamentals that are probably a lot broader than what most of Christianity historically held as core fundamentals. And yeah. so the problem is the more that you make a fundamental, right? Oh, you have to believe this about the end times. Well, the end times are total mess right i mean if we look through history <laughs> nobody's got any real clear idea what the heck they think about the end times right, right. Um, and so and, and the people that were writing the flipping new testament are going dudes he's gonna be back anytime don't even bother having kids because he's gonna be right. back anymore so they clearly didn't really have any idea either on, right. some, on some level um, and so like to have a fundamental belief so what happens then is you start to read history and you go oh a lot of church history they believed a different thing in my pastor Right. What do I do? Suddenly yeah. you're into cognitive dissonance, dissonance. right? Yeah. And, and over what? Over a side point, you know, over something right. that's not particularly the core message of the gospel, right? It's not right. about the divinity of Christ. It's not about, you know, God becoming human, God valuing human, you know, like it's not about that kind of stuff. God's saving humanity from their, their trajectory of sin. You know, that's, that's right. what we're talking about here. We're talking about some bizarre side element that isn't so, really as important. That leads me, like we said, we were going to probably talk about deconstruction. That's like mm. a huge topic. Uh, it's just out in the zeitgeist. It's a big thing that I feel like you and your community have been focused on um, lately just because it is so relevant and um, it's important, right? But um, my, the thing I go back to with deconstruction, deconstruction is, say you deconstruct an aspect of faith, like you just were talking about, maybe not the biggest aspect. Sure. A lot of times 
people are leaving the faith because they've deconstructed certain elements. But does that necessarily mean that Christ didn't die for, you know, the salvation sure. of the world, that God doesn't exist? So that's my, uh, I'll kind of front load my thoughts on deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's my concern with deconstruction is there's a lot of people asking the hard questions, deconstructing, thinking what they really um, believe. That's great. That's great. That's great. They leave the faith. Oh, I don't believe anything. Now. I'm agnostic. I'm yeah. atheist. I'm uh, all faiths, whatever. And it's like, okay, so you deconstructed a few elements. Did you deconstruct the fact that God exists or that, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, Christ is the savior of the world or whatever. Cause yeah. that's a pretty big jump to go from I'm a Christian to I'm not what happened in between those two yeah. things. And um, I think it's Brian Zahn. He's the, talked into deconstruction a, a bit. Have you, okay, yeah. you know Brian Zahn? I, I know of him, yeah. I've read a couple of his books in the past. I, I, I haven't um, tra trafficked with him too much, but I mean, he said the point of deconstruction isn't to leave the faith, it's to uh, increase your faith, mm. right? That's kind of how he landed on it. And I thought, oh, that's, sure. that's pro probably a very simplistic, good kind of um, foundational way to view what deconstruction can be. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's, it's long term, <laughs> short term. There's all sorts of different elements. But one thing I would say as well. So there's an interesting um, study I came across probably a couple of years ago now. But um, so, so it's, it's a study of um, young Christians that go to university and um, and how they respond in their faith. So it was looking at Christians that go to university or college and then they looked at Christians that then left their faith versus Christians that stayed within Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I don't know if I said that very well. <laughs> I feel like I confusingly said, basically some Christians went to university, some left their, their faith, some stayed. Uh, yeah. Now what they looked at was what, what happens if we take a step back and look at them before they went to university, before they went to college, did they attend a church that preached hard line that God created the universe in six days X amount of thousand years ago. Now, right. to the degree that that was severely taught, there was a great increase in the, the amount of Christians that were leaving their faith at university versus people that were part of communities of churches that didn't teach um, in a six day, you know, a few thousand years ago creation. If they taught a bit more open, they were like, well, sure, if I, you know, uh, something like, um, you know, it could be millions of years. There's different ways yeah. to interpret six days. Maybe it's not even literal anyway. You know, like it could be poetic or, you know what, we can see how actually even something like um, evolution could fit into this framework somewhat as well. And so Christians that came from that background tended not to lose their faith. And so what I think it shows is that um, when we become rigid on points, and so we say the Bible is the ultimate truth and it's to be read at face value and it says six days, so it has to be six days. And therefore... When you go to university and you, you, you sit down and you start learning about scientific principles and how they um, operate and what the scientific method is, and we look at all the data and we go, okay, well, yeah, no one was there. Okay, true. So can't observe it. Yeah, but you can observe all the fallout. You can observe all the fossil records. You can observe the age of the earth by geology. We can observe that the universe is X amount of years old based on lights and how far light has traveled. Oh, it's traveled this far. That means that that must have started at this point, you know, if we can figure out how far that light is away from us. And, you know, so we start looking at that and we right. go, okay, there's enough evidence here that I'm pretty overwhelmingly convinced that it's not a 10,000 year old earth or whatever. Right. So this is the conclusion of this 20, 21 year old kid, you know, um, yeah. and they're left going, but my church says, if you don't believe that you don't believe anything. That's, that's, <laughs> that's been given to them. 
Um, right. you know, there's there's entire websites. You know, you've got answering Genesis and things like oh, that. Yeah. Which their premise is, if you don't believe the first few words of the Bible, you don't believe anything. And, and so wow. it's almost handed to you to say, look, if you can't get to terms with this, then you should mm-hmm. throw the whole thing out. And that's what people do now. Absolutely. Of course, they would rather, on some level, most people that are within those communities would rather know actually. Okay, if you don't believe that, we would rather you stay to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, of course. But the problem is that has been communicated, and that is the way we think. And so we've been taught this thing of like, well, the Bible says, and that's why we. Believe. So why did Jesus die? Well, the Bible says. Why yeah. did Jesus come to earth? Well, the Bible says. And so the problem is, as soon as you start questioning maybe something in the Bible, well, the whole thing is, I have so many people comment uh, on my stuff and say, well, Phil, if you're just throwing out that one Bible verse, which I'm not, I'm just saying we reinterpret it in a different way or can we look at it from a context of history or something else. Um, But they're saying, well, if you throw out that Bible verse, why should I trust anything else in the Bible? And and I'm so fascinated by that. Mm. You know, like it's it's like saying uh, if someone lies to you in your life, you can't, everything they've ever said is a lie. No, 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 right. no, no, probably not. Right. Now some right. other things might not be true and you might want to reevaluate some of those other things. And it's even um, more nuanced with the Bible because it's not necessarily a lie. It's just, you don't understand what the point of the story was or sure. it's been or what kind of writing it is. You know, you don't right. even realize the amount of people that open up certain books of the Bible and don't realize, Oh, this is a poem. This right. is, this is someone having a rant at God. Yeah. It might not contain the best theology right yeah sometimes right. when we're just screaming and shaking our fists in the air if someone was to record that and say that's what god's like you'd be like oh oh crap right. sorry oh no you were listening to me uh, that's not good right right um and so it, it, but it's helpful it's still very helpful those passages and it's mm-hmm. meaningful and it teaches a lot about what it means to be human and engage with god and how gracious and forgiving god is but it's not specifically telling us we should believe that about god right um and so but we need to we need to have the nuance like you say of like looking at these passages from different angles but i think a lot of christianity has not taught us to do that very well i I think about um scott adams who has kind of brought stuff like (laughs) cognitive dissonance to light a a bit in the past couple years he i remember a story he told once where he went to church growing up you know um teenage years i think he was like 15 he's at church they're pretty uh literal church you know so they're teaching the story of Jonah and the whale. Right. Jonah literally swallowed by the fish, literally was in the whale's stomach for three days, spit out, it's totally fine. And Scott Adams at a young age was like, okay, three days, no oxygen, stomach acid of the whale, the fish, whatever. He's like, I'm out. He, t- he went to tell his mom, he said, I- I'm out, I'm out. I-, I can't do this anymore. They literally said this happened. I- I- it doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe it. So I'm out. Because he had that cognitive mm. dissonance where he's like, I, I, this is not working for me. It's too much. So I, I have to um, remedy this dissonance I'm feeling. Now, you know, a Christian would probably have a, something to say about that. Well, it's sure, a miracle. Absolutely. It was this, it was that. There are other conversations to be had. But for him in particular, he goes, that dissonance is not working in my 15-year-old brain. I'm just going to excuse myself, yeah. <laughs> you know. But if it's a l- church that teaches things, you know, literally in a hard line without mm-hmm. any room for questioning which is the good part of deconstruction, um, that's problematic because you just go, no, no, that literally happened. Yep, three days, three nights, acid. Yep, okay, cool. Yep. You don't believe that? Oh, get out, you know, or whatever. I mean, churches usually are not. <laughs> that's a really no, extreme church. No, but, but mentally, that could be how it feels. This is what we believe. If you don't believe that, you're not yep. one of us, you know, you're other. 
So yeah, and and that that experience is very common. You know, at least mm-hmm. how right. people experience that's how they experience it, they whether it's communicating or whatever. Absolutely, and whether it's intended to be communicated, even it, sometimes it's oh, like right. an intended thing. But absolutely, it is the way it works. You know, if we all believe this and that person doesn't, we automatically kind of distance ourselves a bit. We we don't want to hang out with them as much, or we don't <laughs> like the way they talk or act or whatever. And, and it's a tough place for pastors to be in. I, I I'm not one, and and because I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be in that position really. Um, to because you have to have beliefs, you have to have structure, yeah. you have to say, yeah, this is what we believe and draw some harder lines than me or you would probably want to draw. And so I feel for them. I, I don't want this to come across like, oh, we're picking on pastors that have beliefs and they say this is true. And if you don't like to get out, like, yeah, there is a point where you can't just be um, wishy-washy on everything, but, yeah. but maybe there is a balance where you're open to discussion, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is as well, the, the thing that we forget is the pastors are the victims in this as well. in that, Generally speaking, it's not just the Bible says, therefore, whatever, but actually, generally speaking, it is the pastor is, therefore. And so actually, what a lot of people choose to leave church for, not necessarily their faith, uh, sometimes their faith entirely, but generally Mm -hmm. speaking, just the church, they can't do with that mechanism, that, that community, they just step out. A lot of the time, it's because the pastor did something wrong, right? How many mm, church splits have you heard right. of because the pastor had an affair or the pastor right. stole some money from the offering or whatever. Right. And just everyone was like, well, screw this, you know? And right. you're like, whoa, that's an extreme response to one guy making a mistake. Right. Does you know? that mean that Christ didn't die for the sin? <laughs> Again, right? You know? So you go right back to the fundamentals and you go, well, actually, the Bible doesn't say anything about a pastor being flawless by any means. Right. There's nothing in there for that. Yeah. Um, they pro- it probably says that they probably will be at some point. You'll exactly, probably come across yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, your pastor is going to be a bit of a scumbag because we're all scumbags at some point. Right. <laughs> you know? um, but like, it's, 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 so I think we need to remember actually the, the often, you know, and again, this comes from years and years of traveling and speaking to hundreds of pastors and as well as online. And I now still speak to dozens and dozens of pastors mm-hmm. every month and speaking to so many pastors and nice. more often than not, they um, are victims of this system where mm-hmm. they are expected to have all the answers. They are expected right. to live perfectly. They have no one they can be vulnerable with and go, I don't know what I believe about this. And this is why pastors generally these days are speaking to me. Back in the day, it was because we both believed the same thing and we're trying to bring that teaching to their church. These days, it's because I'm openly creating room for people to question and ask questions. They're private messaging me, certainly not even on a public comment in case someone from their church would see it, but they're yeah. privately messaging me going, Phil, I am freaking out because I don't know what I believe about X or Y. And I know that just that one question is enough for the whole thing. The dominoes will start getting pushed and they'll right. go down. And I am freaking out. And, and it's a horrible place. Horrible. I mean, their livelihood, uh, like literally yeah. their careers, their families, it's, they're yeah. dependent on that for something, and you know? Every one of their friends, nine times out of 10, is within their church. Right. Almost. I, know. I mean, or, or maybe they might have a few other friends outside the church, like that are just pastors of other churches. But yeah. again, God forbid they would tell them they have some doubts because that's again, like a whole system of like, what does this mean for my livelihood, for my faith, for my community, for my church? Right. What will people think? You know? And so it's a really terrifying thing to, um, to go through. And so th- this is what fascinates me is um, one of the ways that deconstruction is often painted is like, Oh, you guys are just believing what you want to believe. You're just doing what you want to do. You're, you're not like you. And, and, and they're like, they're almost framing it as though this is the easy choice the easy mm-hmm. option. But as we're talking about with cognitive dissonance and things like that, this is actually a really painful and hard thing to do. It's actually a right. lot easier to not ask the question. You're so, right. Um, you know, the example of, uh, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to just go, oh yeah, that's so just, I'm just a bit anxious and I really need a cigarette. 
That's my answer to today's question of why do I need to smoke? If I sit and sit there on my own with just that picture of like, you know, the, the person that's lung that's black and shriveled up or, you know, like the picture of a tombstone or all sorts of crazy things. I, I saw one which had like a picture of like a fetus that was like black because the yeah. mother smoked. I mean, like horrible pictures. Horrible. Right? If you sit in a room on your own with no distractions, just sit and look at that picture. It's going to be hard to really engage with that and go, hi, I quite like to smoke. Right. It's the person right. that does that. They've done the harder thing here than the person right. that goes, oh no, yeah, I just answer yeah. this away. And so yeah, actually it is the person that goes, actually, no, I'm really choosing to face some of these horrible passages in the Bible about genocide. And they go, yeah. I, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to deal with that. And I'm having to deal with the fact that I, I, my faith says that God is a bit of a moral monster on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, they are actually doing the harder work that requires more like awful gut-wrenching work than the person that goes, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's because we don't understand God. God's love. And it's just because they were really bad. And they just kind of move on. They don't you, spend too much time looking at it. You know who's doing sense. the really hard work here? I, I've, I've said this before, but uh, maybe not to you. Um, we have like the history channel here in America. I don't know. So just, and every once in a while, you'll turn it on and be like, you know, facts of the Bible uncovered. These people are really, really, really doing the hard cognitive dissonance work. And this is a little side note, but it goes along with what we're saying. Like, they'll be like, you know, when Jesus walked on water, how did that actually happen? And, and then they'll go and they'll recreate the scene and they'll be like, actually, you know what probably happened was there was rocks placed, you know, every nice. three feet in the water. He knew where the rocks were, you know, maybe even. Happening from rock to rock. And it made it the appearance of looking like he was walking on water. And then Peter didn't know where the rock was. He sunk and Jesus from the rock. So they go through this long thing. Like I've seen shows like this. I'm not making this up. So they'll go through through miracles (laughs) of the Bible and and explain it that way. But this this is actually a lot harder than just believing in miracles. Because you have to have a man named Jesus that was literally on the boat, that literally went out on the water, that Peter was there, the disciples were there, there was eyewitnesses, they wrote about this stuff. So they're willing to give all of that, but they just can't believe in miracles and the the divine. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have to recreate this whole other story, which is a lot more extra work, I think, than just being like, why not just say it didn't happen? Be like, no, never happened. No, like, yeah, everything easier, happened. Right? <laughs> They're like, oh, the transfiguration. Well, actually, it was a, you know, a lunar eclipse, and the moon hit just right, and there was this tree that looked like Moses standing here. So you can see how somebody might think there was other – like, don't just don't put those people there. Say it didn't happen. It's okay. Oh, you don't – you know, you know what I'm saying? You would, you would absolutely love this author. He's he's British, but man, if you can't find his book, uh, uh, his books, I'll try and find you one and bring it with me when I come. Okay. It's a guy called Adrian Plass, and he's like mm-hmm. a comedian. Um, so yeah. he's that's like Christian stand-up, um, but he also like writes these books, and like they're like books full of like church flyers that he yeah. writes and like they're little, little things that you're just like, oh, that's so funny. I love it. I love it already. But but he had he had a whole book where it was like um it, it basically explained that Jesus was raised as like um. Uh, on a, uh, as part of it, he left home when he was born, and he left home and became part of a circus, and he was in charge of the fish. And it basically explains like, like <laughs> about eighty percent of his miracles using fish. So it's like why the fish has like a coin in its mouth. Uh, oh my! It's like gosh. how he walks on water is he's got all these fish that he's actually stepping on that he's trained. And oh, there you go. It's, like, it's just constant, like how were yeah. all these fish never caught, but then suddenly all caught at once. And, right. Like, he's got like, all this stuff, and it's like this guy writing this funny, and he's doing it for parody. But I've seen, you know, I've seen people like going. Well, how can we how can we come to terms with this? How can we figure this out? Like, and and of course, there's a whole host of different ways, and and probably on both ends of the spectrum, at the extreme ends of either spectrum, they're probably both 
quite ridiculous. And, and you, so, so there's, there's the two major things we've been talking about this whole time going on there. There's cognitive dissidence. It doesn't make sense. They have to make sense of it. And, and two, they're preloading it with confirmation bias, which is yeah. what confirmation bias is. So Absolutely. I've seen this um, argument or debate go on a lot where somebody goes, explain to me how God exists. Mm. Well, you know, this uh, divine miracle. Well, no, 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 no. I don't believe in that stuff. So somebody brings their confirmation bias of, I don't believe in miracles, Absolutely. I don't believe in the divine, you have to explain it to me without any of those elements. And it's like, well, explain to me Phil without his brain and his skin yeah. and his glasses. Yeah. It's not Absolutely. Phil. Well, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's again and again, we see this in like apologetics. People are like, oh, do you, you must love apologetics because you love like putting forward different arguments. I'm like, I couldn't think of anything less interesting than apologetics. I don't know about you. <laughs> and and I, I'm sure some people love it, but like, I genuinely couldn't think of anything more mind-numbingly boring than watching <laughs> two people at like polar opposite ends of a spectrum trying right. to argue that the other person believes what they believe when the fundamental core of why they believe it is different. So like one's going, you need to believe this because the Bible says it to a scientist that goes, well, I don't give a crap about the Bible. And they're going, well, yeah. you need to care about this because of this observed fact based on this tree. And they're like, well, I don't really care about your facts say, what does the Bible think? And you just look at people just having this awkward, awful, boring argument. I couldn't care I mean, less. I like when Todd Friel does it. But I mean, that, that's funny though, isn't it? That's I mean, and, and that's maybe the only level that I'll engage with apologetics is maybe it can become a bit Todd farcical Friel. and funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but no, but, but I think we do this all the time. And of course, like there's people watching you and I probably and how we interact or how we engage with truth and thoughts and go, oh my gosh, what an absolute idiot. They can't see their own bias or they can't see this or they can't see Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But generally speaking, the what what's needed more than anything is communication is, is connection um and and for people to ask questions of what what people are going through mm -hmm. um and so you know nine times out of ten like like you said i think you quoted zan saying you know the purpose of deconstruction is to build your faith mm -hmm. now generally speaking in my experience of talking with thousands of people that are going through this process nine times out of ten the people that are going through this process aren't going through this process in a pursuit of losing their faith or in a pursuit of believing what they want to believe even what they're going through is they're they're going through a process of going i genuinely don't believe one aspect here three aspects there whatever it is and i don't know how to fit it in with my current let, let me read let me i, I have a, a uh, excerpt from zan just so i don't oh, misquote great. him yeah, yeah let me read please. that instead uh because what i was saying was um more of a summary of what i was reading um mm. here's what he said a quote for the Christian, deconstruction is not an end in itself. Deconstruction alone is not a proper goal. We can't deconstruct forever. If all we ever do is deconstruct faith, eventually, eventually there will be nothing left. Just the discarded rubble from the relentless blows of a sledgehammer. The goal of reevaluating Christianity is authentic faith, not cynical unbelief. That's it. So, That's perfectly put. So the, the analogy so I often go. give is is with someone that has inherited a home, right? And so you know you're you're a realtor, so you might you might occasionally see homes like this. Hopefully not, but you uh -oh. know some, sometimes you inherit a home and you you go, this is great. It's my you know my nan's home and it was so great. I I love. I remember growing up in this home. And you get there and you go in the house and you're like, oh my god, I did not remember it being this bad, <laughs> you know. And the, and the wallpaper is bad and you're like, oh wallpaper. Anyway, why are we using wallpaper? Let's peel it off and paint the room nice. And so you peel off the wallpaper and you go. Oh man, there's like, there's, there's damp. It's got mold. Yeah. I, I need to like 
knock this wall down and rebuild it or you treat it and you realize it's too bad. So you have to knock the wall down and you start doing that. And then you realize, Oh gosh, these windows are 38 years old. They need some, I need some new like triple glazing windows, you know, really yeah. good. And I need to do this as so you start working on the home, but then you realize, man, I'm doing so much. I, I, I've got a job. So you call an expert at some point for them to actually start doing some stuff. They look at it and they go, dude, you have much bigger problems, right? You've got this problem and this problem. And you see, you start just taking bits out and trying to replace them. Now that works nine times out of 10 with a home. I'm sure you can just replace the windows or you can just replace the, the doors or paint here or refloor a, a squeaky floorboard. But a lot of the time it's not cosmetic. A lot right. of the time you get the expert in and they go, dude, this has been badly set. The whole foundation is off. You've got like cracks in your foundation. And we're going to have to basically take the building down, reset the whole thing so you can build something new. And it's going to sure. be great. The new thing will be amazing and it'll be perfect. And maybe they'll even be like, well, some insurance will cover some of it or, you know, don't panic too much or whatever. But, but this is going to have to happen. You, yeah. you stay at home. It's, it's not going to work. You know, right. you're not going to want to have a family in here because the roof might right. come. Um, and so it's some, in some cases, um, it, it, I guess it's a whole spectrum of like, oh, I've just got bad windows. I need to change a couple. Right, right. through to like, my foundation is crap, right? So some people's yeah. foundation, um, in my experience, my foundation wasn't Jesus, right? And the Bible's really clear on our, our foundation being Christ. Right. And so my foundation was the Bible, though. And, mm. and that's not necessarily the worst foundation right? Uh, in the scale of things, for a Christian at least. Right. But the problem is that the Bible is extremely subjective. I can make it right. say what I want, right? I mean, right. you know, Todd Friel and me use the same Bible. So, right. uh, you know, we, if we use that foundation, we might have a very different uh, experience in a different home. Whereas right. I think shifting to have Christ as a foundation. So basically for me, what I want to help people do in, in my experience, in my, my heart is to help people get rid of that wall or that roof or rip up the carpet or, you know, I don't care. And if, and you know what, if you get angry, and you have to punch through one of the walls or you enjoy getting a sledgehammer and taking one of the mat, that's okay as well. Cause honestly, mm. some of this stuff is really crap and it makes me angry too. Sometimes For sure. that's okay. Like, you know, what I mean? sure. it's okay to get your rage out on a wall. Like no yep. one's being harmed here, especially if that's come down. Right. right. But, right. Uh, but the goal isn't breaking the wall down. The goal isn't getting rid of windows. The goal isn't ripping up carpets. The goal is I want a floor to stand on. I want windows to keep the elements out so I can still look out. The goal is to replace that wall or create a bit, bit for better open space. The goal yeah. is always to have the perfect home that I can right. live in, this place I can right. inhabit. The problem is, of course, some people have been handed such a terrible home um, that it's just, it's just, it needs change. It needs to, yeah. it needs to come out. Maybe you inherited this home and you were abused and raped in this home when you were a child. Right. And you think, you know what? Let's just floor this totally to the ground and rebuild something that's unrecognizable. Because right. I'm, I'm thankful for the, you know, two acres of land, but I do not want to walk into my old bedroom. Yeah. Because that's just going to mess with my head. And, yeah. and, you know, there's people that have been raped by their pastors. That's a very, do you know what? It, it sickens me to the core. And I would never have thought of it five years ago, but I probably talked to people that have been raped mm. by their pastor at least once a month. Wow. A new person, yeah. at least. And probably a lot more often. I'm being very conservative. And, and right. so I'm, I'm like, why the hell is this a thing? Like, right. This is not what I want to be experiencing. Um, right. But I, I want to help people with that. But, like, but I'm like, so you know what? If you need to burn this thing to the ground to find something that can be built again, right. I'm okay with you burning it to the ground. You know, right. I, I hear you. Don't go back to that church. You know what? Don't. Uh, if you need to never talk to that pastor again and go, you know what, I can't be a part of what they represent. I get it. I get it. Right, right, back. right, right. Um, but, but the goal is always how can we start building something? But at the same time, sometimes you have to move out and live in a caravan for a year. 
because there's nothing else to live in, right? And sometimes you're in a tent for a while. Sometimes you have to live with your mate. You right. know, sometimes you, you don't have anything, right? And I think that's what a lot of people see the process yeah. and, and, and they judge that so quickly. Um, so people that go, look, I don't know what I believe right now. Yeah. For me, I'm like, oh, that's great. That's okay. That's a good thing even. It's okay to go through that and be completely open yeah. and honest about where you're at. Um, because that sure. creates room for them to start growing and developing and start building. But when people go, I don't know where I'm at right now, and people point the finger and go, you're heretic, you're not a Christian, you're a fake Christian, you never were a Christian, all these kind of weird accusations, you're backsliding. Like often this, this isn't backsliding even, this is actually a, a, an intentional moving forwards of going, is this true Jesus? No, all right, well, let's get rid of that wall. But when yeah. someone else loves that wall, they're not going to like that choice, you know? Yeah. They aren't, you know? Um, so it's, it's a really complex, I know we just got lost in a metaphor there. Uh, but Oh, I mean, I got so lost. There's a couple things I, I could say. One, one thing I'm thinking too is to, to view deconstruction as something that's necessary sometimes, especially like you just mentioned some extreme mm. examples. Um, yeah. Necessary, but with a goal in mind, hopefully of, um, you know, healing and growing, increasing yeah. um, the quality of your life, the quality of your belief structures. Look at it from a family point of view too. There's a lot of people that grow up with abusive family yeah. relationships. Maybe there's a dad that's abusive in, in various ways. So they uh, obviously need to leave that environment for a time. They might um, have to go through counseling therapy, probably, right? Um, they should, um, mm. to heal from that experience. Now, some people don't go through those steps and they're angry at their dad. They're, they have dysfunctional families themselves. Um, they just, the, the process just keeps repeating itself. Other people do heal and grow and can yeah. see the beauty in family. Even though their family yeah. was abusive, they can heal and say, well, that's not the way it should be. So I see the beauty in having a healthy family. I'm not going to do that to my kids. I'm yeah. going to have a healthy, healthy family dynamic. And that's kind of the beauty of that mm. deconstruction that, is redemptive, right? Yeah. Just like in a church, if there's yeah. an abusive pastor, you can go, I'm leaving the church. I, you know, atheism is the way to go because churches are evil. It's like, well, I, I guess maybe that's your truth, but that might not necessarily be the truth. Maybe you just had a yeah. really crap experience yeah. and go through the steps of healing and growing from that and, and get back in an environment. You know, yeah. that, I, I don't want to say too much more than that because I don't want to make it too simplistic because I haven't experienced all of that, but that's kind of, no, of course. And, and we don't want to judge anyone that's going through, um, you know, any of those processes that, that looks different either. Like, you know, because yeah. the thing that I'm becoming more and more aware of is my journey is not your journey. And so yeah. the way I've been through deconstruction, I continue to deconstruct daily and I'm constantly reconstructing as well. I've got through a place where I'm more reconstructing than deconstructing. I've got rid of most of the old, it's very little oh. of the old house left. So I'm mostly right. just building extensions. But right. as I build extensions, I find crap or whatever, you know, I'm like, whoa, yeah. what is this? Let's get rid of that. Um, but, but for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm in a building phase of my life. Uh, sure. And, and I don't know how much more I'll have to lose as I go. But there will be some, I'm sure. There's always sure. some stuff lurking in, in our pasts and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some people have a very different experience. And some people are very different themselves and require different approaches to, to heal up. Right. And so you just yeah. even in therapy, right. You go, okay, go get therapy. And it's like, well, it might be CBT. It might be CAT. It might be ACT. You know, there's a thousand different models, you know, it might be person centric. Yeah. It might be this centric, you know? And so, um, in the same way of how do you grow and, 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 and deal with this, these elements of faith? Well, ultimately the only thing that's important to me is that you are on a healthy journey that, that, that protects you 
that makes um, your health a priority in the process of trying to seek out spiritual truth. Now, I don't even care if you become a Muslim for four months or ever even actually, if you became a Muslim in that process, I'd be like, you know what? If that's a journey that you have progressed and you've gone, no, I cannot believe in these truths. And actually as a Muslim, I can fully engage and be a healthy, wholehearted um, human being who is connecting to what they consider to be the divine. Um, mm. It wouldn't be what I believe to be true uh, necessarily, <clears throat> but actually if it's very healthy and helpful for them, I would go, well, this is, clearly some sort of path for them to find healing and wholeness and, and, and goodness. Mm. Um, and I don't know how much I would imagine God standing over them with a lightning bolt for, for moving in that direction. I, the reason I say that is like a lot of people in this process, very few become Muslim or something typically right. don't go from Christianity to Islam um, right. or, or vice versa, really overly. Um, but very often people become um, atheists or agnostic um, right. in this process. Now that's seen as deeply bad and terrible and backsliding, but actually often it's a step forward in that hmm. there, what we've had in our faith is so bad. We have to get rid of that. And we're left going, I don't know. I don't right. know. Or I, I don't believe it at all. I just can't. Um, right. But just being honest with that and keep moving forward, that creates room for something new to emerge. And actually what is new is almost completely unrecognized. One I know from me and my faith, I've never had that process of becoming particularly agnostic or atheist. I think sometimes I can be agnostic as a whole, generally anyway, in my mm -hmm. views of going, well, I don't know everything, so I don't know. Um, right. But I've never completely lost my faith or anything like right. that. Um, but I think people that have that, it's okay. It's, it's an okay process because um, they haven't had something that's worth holding on to. And that, mm. that's a good thing to recognize and come to terms with. You know, if, you, if your faith that you were given, you know, look at someone like um, the Westboro Baptist Church. If you grew up in that environment and you didn't go from that to atheism i don't know if i would particularly be that impressed with your growth I mean, hopefully you do right because if your only concept of christianity is that yeah whoa do i want to burn that ship down you know i just I'm like i'm done yeah um, and then hopefully when you turn around and start moving forward you go oh wow there's beauty in the world there's love there's grace there's kindness wow i've met some other christians and they're they're nothing like what that is oh what's yeah. this then um and so you, you know for me i've known in my life that if I'm honest, the God that I worship today is the same God I've always worshipped, but is unrecognizable. Mm. Um, and if I was to 20 years ago, look at the God I worship today, I'd probably think it was some sort of heretical false God. <laughs> right. If I was honest, you know, right. truly it's so different. Um, right. And so I think some people, it is such a black and white picture of God yeah. and spirituality and faith and community and love and kindness, you know, that, that idea of family uh, if you come from an abusive family and you end up having this beautiful, loving, kind family, it's so black and white. You're almost like these need different words. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, yeah. can I call you what, what you know, I, I don't even know what word to call it. Right. Um, right. Right. And, and so I think uh, it, it's, it's really common for people to go on these complex journeys and it's really, it's not helpful for us to make them so black and white and simple by going, Oh, they're just, that's just a backsliding person. It could be, yeah. you know, depending on what your concepts of backsliding are, it could be someone just going, Oh, I don't know. But generally it's a lot less of a passive, like sliding away than a very intentional moving forward. I um, guess I, I want, uh, those are great points. I, I want to see what happens. Cause this is such a kind of a newer phenomenon of the past couple of years within this culture, within this generation of mass deconstruction, mass yeah. leaving the church, mass leaving the, the standard beliefs. Um, we're just in a new age. So yeah, I think right now we're at a point where a lot of people are deconstructing yeah. a lot of this, 
the age group especially is leaving their faith, but we don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, we, they haven't come back in droves. So the, um, I think that's yet to be determined. So I'm intrigued as to what happens with that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you look at the stats, the stats are fascinating to me. So, cause this is something I spend a lot of time researching. Um, right now, the largest, uh, the largest growing uh, movement of Christians in the U S uh, is the non they're, they're called the nuns the the, the the christians that do not uh, associate with the they church. have like the that white yeah, thing and the right. black big habits yeah big <laughs> habits no so n-o-n-e-s nuns so it's, it's basically saying i do not associate with christianity i'm not a methodist i'm not a baptist i'm not a uh, orthodox or i i am nothing right i just love yeah. jesus okay yep. um now that is the largest growing movement within christianity and of the 2500 people that leave quote unquote Christianity every single week in America. Two th- uh, sorry, so every single day, 2,500 Christians leave Christianity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Off that amount, 79 of them still profess to love Jesus and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's four out of five of those people. So for the 2,500 mm-hmm. leaving every single day, 2,000 of them, roughly just a little bit less than that, 79%. Yeah. So probably what's that? 1,850 or something. So let's say. Sure. But, we could round it up to the 2000, you know, yeah. four out of five of them are saying, no, yeah, I'm still a Christian. I still love Jesus. I just don't want right. to be labeled that, or I don't want to be associated with that. Now, yeah. what's interesting is like you said, we don't know what that looks like. What does a society look like where people aren't getting together and connecting in churches where they're yeah. not parts of these types of communities? This, they might be parts of different types of communities. Maybe they're meeting yeah. in their homes. Maybe there's a lot of different ways that plays out. Online. Um, yeah. Of course, online is a huge component huge. and we have no idea what that looks like because that's no. a fascinating dynamic because you've got globalism involved and all sorts of different things. And it's, it's, and we can argue a lot about the, the positives of that, but there's also the negatives of losing interaction on, on a personal level that very little can replace a heartfelt hug and a shoulder to cry on and you know laughs over the dinner table. Those are really huge things that you can't really replace right. easily. Um, and so we don't know much of what that looks like, but what we do know is that for the most part, the people that are leaving the church in droves are not leaving Jesus. Um, and so it's, right. it's quite in some ways exciting to see what happens. But what, what's fascinating to me is, um, and this is where I'm wanting to collect data, and this is where I'm working hard to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really working hard to try and create a bit of a, a base of developing data. And so uh, I'm in the process of starting um, basically a mailing list of people that, are, are, that associate as Christian, but do not attend church and what i want to have is this mailing list and every month i'm going to send out surveys um, and i'll pick a topic so i might send out a survey on the bible and ask them how their views on the bible have changed over the years and the next month i might do a survey on the person of christ who do they think that is do they believe in a virgin birth do they believe he's god do they you know and, and over the years i'm going to start developing more and more solid data that can be used by researchers that researchers can go look let's look at these 79 percent and yep. go what is what is happening? What does impact? You know, we could look at lifestyle. Do they give to charity? Do they get involved in food banks or, you know, right. with the poor, the homeless, or do they do overseas kind of like um, relief work? And right. like do they murder and pillage? Right. Or do they, or do they just turn into psychopathic, you know, murderous rapists, you know, who knows, right? We don't know <laughs> the data yet because there isn't this set of data. And, and what's really struggling, um, I'm meeting with my, my best friend, um, uh, Samuel, one of my closest friends, uh, mm-hmm. he's a researcher here in the UK and he focuses on faith-based research. And I'm meeting with him to talk about how we can do more healthy, good uh, research. Um, 
And what's interesting is that strikes me is most of the research that's done on people leaving the church is they have a black and white line. People in the church are Christian. People that have left the church are not Christian. Yeah. And so there's this huge 79% chunk that, that are just completely not really looked at with data that's helpful because they're associated yeah. as non-Christian. Right. Um, and so it's like, well, no, no, no. What if we associate these as a, almost a third party? That well, Can we look right. at what does that look like? Because it might, it might be much worse. It might be much better. It might be somewhere in the middle. It might be actually yeah. better than being a Christian in the church. I don't know. I, we don't. Um, but I think it's important. But the, the thing that for me in the meantime, while we don't have the data, what's important to me is what happens to these 79% people that leave the church and churches typically when you leave the church turn on you. They don't support you in that process. Right. Um, I've been parts of churches where they support me leaving, um, but I don't know how, uh, <laughs> how yeah. much of that was uh, like, yeah. God, he's leaving. Um, but no, genuinely, I've been a part of at least one where I was like, wow, that was a really healthy and helpful process. Um, right. But generally speaking, a lot of these people, they are leaving because of something. And, and the church is going, don't come back unless you change back to what you were. Yeah. That's the only kind of opportunity for you to come back is to be what you were again. And very yeah. rarely do people change in that way where we just flip flop between a, a new and an old position. Um, so my fear is while there's no data and the church isn't very supportive is who, who's looking out for these people's spiritual well-being? Who's helping them be intentional about growing with spirituality? Who's telling them and validating, hey, your experience is valid. And actually, even though the pastors in your life and the people that you look up to as spiritual authorities all say you're backslidden, you're useless, you're rotten, you're not a Christian anymore, you're a non-Christian. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, who's out there saying, no, 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 you, you love Jesus? That's wonderful. Let's figure that out. There's room for you to explore this. There's room for you to engage with this. Um, yeah. And that for me is what my heart is, is to be that person because i could go into a church and actually be a, a pretty good pastor i think i mean i don't know if i'd like it and i'd probably be screw up a lot of ways um, but i could do I'd like that it. you know I, I could be a part of a church and i could love people and i could help them with their where they're at and i could teach sure. every week and you know i'd meet people up for coffee i go to the hospital to visit for the sick and pray with them i i i would probably enjoy that to some degree but the thing is there's 99 percent of people that are pursuing some sort of spiritual leadership uh role in their life are doing that mm -hmm. There's almost nobody going, I'm going to dedicate my life to trying to help people that have nobody and feel utterly kicked out of their church, betrayed, alone, uh, or just don't know where to go and, and don't have any path. Like, you know, there's, there's people that are fulfilling those roles. There's, there's kind of like online gurus, like people like Rob Bell or people like that who yeah. have podcasts. And they're, they're reaching out to the kind of people that are like, yeah. not, not Christians, but they're, right. they're not really Christians or they don't want yeah, to associate yeah. as Christians or a, with Christianity. And so there's people like that that are amazing, wonderful, you know, both you and I have said in the past, we love Rob Bell. He's a fantastic yeah. communicator, a really interesting guy. Oh, and, yeah. and, and so people like that are really important, but I think there's nowhere near enough of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's that too. So to, to play another side of that as well, because mm. uh, I'm tracking with you for Please. sure. But so the, the, the danger, the fear, whatever word you want to put is that, there'll just be this populace of all these thousands and thousands of people uh, that are in that kind of state of limbo. They're outside the church, but still want to engage with their the faith community or their faith system. But the deconstructed community, the, I don't want to pick on anybody in particular. Mm. If that platform is primarily just um, tearing down the church, tearing down the structures, tearing down belief, it's mostly predominantly tearing down or mm -hmm. poking fun at, or can you believe I used to believe this? Oh, what a bunch of hypocrites, you know? They, they have no idea what they're talking about. I'm so liberated now that I'm kind of in this new place. If it's mostly negative, 
it's it's not going to be a very um, profitable experience for for many people. I think so. I think like you're saying, there needs to be this other because let's face it, the church Christianity has an image problem. I think um, in a lot of ways, it's just not viewed as a place where millennials gen. Mm-hmm. X, Z, whatever is after millennials. We're running out of letters. Yeah, whatever X, Y, Z, X, Y, and Z is uh, after millennials. They're not going to church. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just even say that's their bad. You know, church is perfect, but they're just not coming. They're still not coming. And the church has to engage with that or wrestle with that or not. And, um, you know, they're just not going to church. So what's going to happen with that populace when all they're seeing is people that have left the church and are disgruntled with the church and kind of poking fun at it. And the church just does have a bad image within that cultural, you know, that subculture where, because I do listen to a lot of podcasts with people in that place and they'll view um, something from Hinduism or or Buddhism or atheism, Gnosticism, uh, Judaism as kind of like this beautiful thing because it's not something they've really interacted with a lot yeah. and it just kind of seems like grass is greener on the other side and oh this yogi said this great statement <laughs> it could be like one word off from something that's in the bible but it's so refreshing and yeah. new and beautiful because it's not that thing that they don't like anymore yeah and that's kind of something i've been wrestling with too is like i'll hear these people like come out of the church and go oh man this this atheist said the other day you know uh god is just love and I was just blown away because it was so deep and blah, blah. I'm like, oh, just like, that's, that's Christianity. You're just mad at Christianity right now. So you have a bad taste in your mouth from it. So uh, I'm not saying that that's all that um, these people are experiencing is just a bad taste from Christianity and, and all that. But there is a lot of that going on too that uh, you know, I think Absolutely. we need to be mindful of, right? And I think there needs to be a, a, an awareness of how, how different people are going to respond to that. So, of course, that's a big factor. I mean, you're looking at a people group that, largely speaking, you know, when you... Um, Can when I you just say out, one more thing? One more oh, thing please, on that, yeah. too. I feel like, you know, we view, like, a lot of those other people as cool. And just, like, a church pastor just doesn't have that... That's what I say. There's an image problem. They're just not cool mm. in, that, in this culture for whatever reason. Again, yeah. it might not be the pastor's fault. It might be to uh, some degree where it's not like, oh, my pastor said this statement, you know, or I just heard Joel Osteen say this thing, man, like that's deep. But if you say like a yogi said this, or, yeah. uh, you know, this uh, Franciscan monk said this, it's just, there's something cool because it's not yeah. what we're used to. Sorry. Oh, I, I experienced this all the time, you know, so when I would go around and preach, you know, I'd say something and people would be like, whoa, it's amazing. This guest speaker said this. And, I, and I'd look at the pastor. I know that he said it a hundred times. And yeah. he's probably thinking for sake i've said that a hundred times and you're listening to this guy uh, yeah so we do this all the time we, we pick you know and it's like you joel Osteen, right oh i saw joel Osteen on whatever news channel he's on our tv you know whatever yeah. oh, i saw him and he said this and that's amazing and the pastor's probably thinking like i just did a four-week series on that topic you idiot like were you not right. listening right but it's, it's like we all have different people that we're gonna be more open to or less open to uh by default uh yeah know, for a whole host of different reasons sure the, the thing that i would say that is um that, that, uh, there's, there's dozens of things I could probably could talk about that in that area because it's so fascinating. Um, but we have to recognize as well that a lot of people um, can only receive a message through the through, through the, the person that they can, right? So right. at the end of the day, I'm, right. I'm happy. If I've told you 10 times, look, you're not a filthy, rotten sinner. God loves you. You know, you're, you're wonderful. You're amazing. You're made in his image. And you haven't got it. And then you listen to Joseph Prince or you, know, mm-hmm. you listen to a yogi or you go and listen to someone else and they say that and you get it. 
of course, I'm a little bit like, for yeah, they're like, but I'm also going, yes, they've got it. It's like, the package awesome. they can receive in. Yeah. And so I'm like, actually, you know what? That's wonderful that you finally clicked. And it was, whether it's the way I articulated it, whether you think I'm just a bit of a dick and you don't like me or whatever it is, right? There's a whole host of different reasons. It could be why you didn't hear that and you heard it from a different thing. At the end of the day, what I'm really excited about is that you heard it. Um, and so I think for me, I, I want to keep that at the forefront. So for, for a lot of people, you give the example of, you know, well, God is love, you know, and an atheist says that and they're like, um, and they're like oh, I love it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you do. But yeah, your pastor said that for years, but he's also got up and said at the sermon and he killed all the Canaanites. And <laughs> as a reward, he said, well, actually kill the Canaanites, but don't kill the young virgin woman. You can keep them and divvy them up amongst the soldiers. I'm not saying for sex. There's a reason they're the young slaves, the young female virgins. Now, you know, there's a reason I'm not saying keep the old woman, you know, like um, or the old men. Like, so yeah. you've got passages like that getting read from the sermon that make me go, well, yeah, my pastor's been saying God is love, but I, in this package, there's a lot of other components that kind of made it a bit confusing, and I couldn't fully understand that. And right. then I go into a different part of the world, and I go, oh, there's God is love, and that person's saying God is love, that person. Maybe God just is love, and we got that part right, but we've got a whole bunch of other bits maybe not so right. And I'm right. like, well, that's good. That's great. That's okay. Um, the, the thing I would say, though, and this is a, a bit of a side point, but it was going back to what you're saying of, like, the, the problem that you have is people are angry, people are upset, people are scared. Um, you know, when you've believed something for 20 years and you find out it's wrong, for whatever mm -hmm. it is, right, um, there's this thing of, like, oh, I've just wasted all this time. Yeah, we, we don't like that. Or, yeah. or, or, or we think, how dare this person lie to me? Very rarely are people intentionally yeah. lying to you. Maybe right. occasionally, you know, some, like, money-grabbing TV preacher or something could be. But generally speaking, Pastor Bob of his, like, local church who's just trying to help you and just trying to get by and praying for people in the hospital, visiting people who are, like, you know, struggling in their marriage and helping them. He's just trying to help people. And if right. he tells you that uh, tithing is biblical. It's not because he's trying to deceive you. It's probably just because his pastor told him tithing was biblical. Right, right. And he went to Bible seminary and they taught tithing was biblical. And so he's just yeah. kind of doing his thing because actually he cares day in, day out about helping people. And he's right. not sitting there studying the Bible all day. So, it's, you know, people aren't necessarily malicious, but it's easy for us to think, ah, oh, screw this person. That I trusted right. this person to do this and they didn't. Right. right? I trusted right. this person to be the teacher of truth. And they were out right. there busy helping people in hospital beds. And they didn't actually learn the truth and teach me it. And now I find the truth for myself. I'm blaming them. Um, right. That's a very natural response. It's not the right response. It's not maybe the healthiest response, but it's, it's quite a common response. And it's, uh, but it's so layered too, because it goes back to what you were saying earlier, where the pastor typically, you know, 99 yeah. out of a hundred times has to say, I do know the truth. You know, they don't say it in mm -hmm. quote unquote, but that's the stance, the position. God saith the Lord. Yeah, God says, and if yeah. you say, you know, well, what do you think about this? Is this true or is this true? They'll go, this is true. You know, yeah. they're not usually, yeah. well, I don't know. That would be more of maybe a, a, a rabbiical way of doing it. Well, I don't know. Sure. Let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's discuss yeah. those Let me points. ask you a question and then you have to think about it. Or, you know, like, which, which yeah. again, maybe is why, you know, from afar we go, oh man, a rabbi, that, that, that's mm. cool. You know, the pastor yeah. just says it's this way and we don't like to be told it's this way. But then again, if we were We don't that, like it when the pastor asks a question either though. Because we right. kind of want them to tell us the answer, right? But we like that it's too. Like this, this yin yang equation, isn't it? Like it's like right. I want you to tell me what's true, but I also want you to be like open. And I don't know. I'm not sure. Why don't you think about it? But don't you dare do that because I need to know. Like, but if we yeah, want to think about it, 
if we were if we were uh, in the the Judaical um, community uh, and we grew up with rabbis, we might be saying, "Well, look at that pastor. He actually knows." Mm-hmm. So we'd be having yeah, he knows an the opposite truth. Thing. He knows the truth. <laughs> I asked my rabbi, "What should I? What car should I buy?" He goes, "I don't know. What car shouldn't you buy?" It's like I don't like that anymore. So it, 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 there's really just what you're involved in, maybe is sure. something you wrestle yeah. with, right? Yeah. But and, and so. I think that this is all very natural and normal and, and I don't want to, so I don't want to demonize it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think there's better ways to approach that and better ways to deal with that. And I think at times there's no other way people can approach it. That's just where they're at, what they've got. And over time they might soften or they might change their approach or they might learn something different. And mm-hmm. other times they may not. And that's kind of a bummer sometimes. Like some people yeah. get stuck in whatever um, bits and pieces, maybe some anger, some resentment, some bitterness, and that is what it is. Maybe well. isn't that like predominantly where people get stuck in their belief system, their attitude mm. system? Like me and you were like overthinkers, maybe to to a fault. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. I don't oh, think so. My, I'm definitely. I don't to think. I don't think I am. Let me think about this. <laughs> but it's like uh, I, I would say maybe a lot of people aren't like that because maybe I just traffic with people more like you and, and other people that are thinkers, because that's what I'm like. So I think that everybody thinks, because yeah. all I'm doing is thinking, but do you think maybe a lot of people don't? Oh, I think so. I uh, just said think like a hundred times. So times. People are like, this guy is not a thinker. No, he just This guy <laughs> doesn't even know a different word for think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, I often am very, very aware that, that my capacity to intellectually reason holds me back. From, mm-hmm. from a lot of spirituality and, and a lot of growth um, right but it's also an, incru- an incredible positive and it helps me it helps others as well so you know there's a double edge to the same sword. yeah um, but I think what's what's fascinating about this is while these people are in pain and suffering often the only time you're going to reach them is by validating that pain validating that suffering highlighting the the injustice that they've been through mm-hmm. um, you know, to say, well, you know, that, yeah, you've experienced that, but that's not really important. You know, that's not really what the church is like. It doesn't really help them. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's not what they need right now. They need someone to validate them because that's what they've heard from their church as well. Pastor might be like, well, yeah, you know, you might have heard that, but that's not, you know, and, and, and that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for some validation of maybe some doubt is okay. Asking mm-hmm. questions is okay. Um, and so I found this because uh, I don't want to piss off people that are in church and very happy and content with where they're at and what they believe. Right. Um, so I don't want to piss those people off particularly. Even though uh, too late, we are, you already have, we already have. Oh, how many conversations, constantly. how many conversations have we had with people that like are getting mad at us really because of like what we believe when yeah. we're, and the funny thing is we don't even like, we're not even like holding no, uh, half the time distance. we were just throwing out an idea. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I think this might be true. And they're like, how dare you? How could you possibly yeah. believe in that? I'm like, well, actually, yeah, maybe I don't. But like, yeah. it's too late for them. They're already like awesome. fighting with us. It's so, so entertaining. So no one's heart is to hurt those people necessarily. Right, right. Maybe some people that are right in the midst of their hurt, their heart is to hurt that person. You know, right. maybe someone that has been through some sort of uh, uh, abuse from their church, whether I'm not necessarily talking about sexual abuse or anything. Yeah. That's, it, it's, it's not widespread but it is widespread you know yeah. but, but emotional emotional abuse spiritual yeah. abuse some horrific stuff that, that can be yeah. done in church you know some people that are being like in that experience they actually do want to hurt that pastor they do want to yeah. to suffer or that church to suffer so there are people like that for sure but nine times out of ten no one really cares about the church suffering or not they're just like well i've just moved on yeah. but i do need to express myself i need to express the pain i need to express what i hold to be true i need to point out things that i don't see as true um, and, and so for me, what's interesting is I, I live with this uh, tension because a lot of the people I reach are still very much in churches. 
Um, but a, a huge proportion and a very much the, the growing proportion are people that are coming out of church and don't know where to go next. And actually one of the main um, ways to reach them, yes, is to give them like a, a pointer in the future. You know, that mm-hmm. here's, the, here's the way you can start building your new home. Mm-hmm. But actually one of the ways to reach them as well is to show them how to deconstruct. So to, to yeah, mm-hmm. look at this, this belief, it's not true. Yeah, yeah. like let's, let's have a laugh about it. So humor is a huge part of uh, what I do. You know, I, my memes yeah. are Thank God. joking about bad beliefs. I'm also creating opportunity for a new belief I point that out a lot, but I do spend a lot of time joking about bad beliefs. And I try to do when I point out bad beliefs, I try and do it in a funny way because it's softer. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's great about your memes? Cause I, cause I love humor. That's primarily like what I love the thinking about talking about with you anyways, it's just having a good time, having a laugh, but your, yeah. your memes are funny that you got to read the comment below because you're going to mm-hmm. say something that's really going to poke at a belief or, or just a, an amusing something. And it's always funny. You've got to read the comment because you're going to mm-hmm. really um, flesh hash it out. It out. You're going to flesh yeah. it out in that comment, which is awesome. Yeah. So I love those. No, that, that's always my goal. But the thing is, you do that, people are going to be upset. You know, this oh, one, the person I, I know. Is the, yeah. Oh, yeah. sitting in church and, you know, it's a pastor or just someone that's at church and just likes that belief or doesn't, well, why are you pointing fun about church? You know, I post a meme about, you know, like, how do we get young people in the church? And people are like, well, let's have a bigger pizza budget or let's do this. <laughs> and then you got the guy going, maybe we could let them ask some questions and he gets thrown out the window or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's a good meme, by the way. I might eat that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I might share something like that. And someone in the church might be like, well, well, you know, what are you saying? We don't ask questions. You know, they get really upset. About it. And that's not my, my intention wasn't to do that necessarily. Right. right. So, you know, maybe my hope is that someone that's in that place might think, oh, would that work? Is that a good idea? You know, are we opposed to that? But that's not really my audience. My audience right. when I make that particular meme is someone that did get chucked out the window for suggesting <laughs> right. Or maybe there's someone that was fool enough to ask the actual question. Not even just suggest we could ask questions, but he actually asked one. And, yeah, yeah. and he is gone. And yeah. yet he's going to look at it and go, oh, someone gets me. Someone gets it. Because the thing yeah. is as well, and, and this is something that we don't look at about deconstruction, and I don't think people realize is that uh, this group of Christians are the most lonely group of Christians of mm. all of Christianity. If you're a Baptist, except for the Unitarians, you're a Baptist. If at least if you're a Unitarian, where do you go on Sunday? I don't know. Unitarian church. Oh, there you right? go. So at least you know where to go, right? And then you go. Oh, you too. Okay, cool. Well, like you know, like you do you, but like we'll we'll do us separately together. You know, it's like at least yeah. there's some level of community here. But I just think Unitarian church. sounds like the most lonely people. Oh, it's, sounds it's amazing. <laughs> Unitarian. Anyways, keep going. So, but you're right. This is the most lonely you, group because they have no you community. Go, I can't do yeah. church anymore. Well, where do people who can't do church anymore go and hang out with online. other people that can't do church? You find each other online, but you don't really have that level. Of it's not a real yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um, and so what you find is this is a huge growing community. I mean, oh, massive. Yeah. The data is saying that more and more people that are leaving church actually never left Jesus. So what you don't know is you sit there thinking, I am the only person in the world that feels like this. I am the only person that's asked questions and kicked out of the community. And, and you don't have any idea where, or, or, oh no, well, there's a group of Facebook of 3000 people, but they're all in London, Nicaragua, and Sydney. And yeah. I'm in, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You know, nice. Good, uh, good poll. Yeah. Good poll. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, where is Milwaukee? So then he said it. <laughs> got it. Um, <laughs> I went to, I went to obscure. Um, sorry no. if you're from Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Not obscure. You're a major important vital yeah. part of this world. Um, yeah. But <laughs> Jim in Milwaukee is like, I'm turning this off right now. Screw this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you're sitting there and you go, well, 
where are these? Uh, you know, you ask on the group, is anyone in here from Milwaukee? And nobody replies. You know, mm-hmm. No one. Oh, well, I'm from New York. And you're like, that's not that close, right? You yeah. Know, yeah. That, that just feels utterly alone. What you don't know is you've got a street with 100 houses on it. You could have 20 people on that street that have left church, been booted out of church, been rejected yeah. by church, you know, become um, uh, a seeking agnostic that still loves Jesus but doesn't know what to do. You know, all mm-hmm. these different frameworks. Or there might even be a home group of some people that are actually even started. They found a couple of people and they meet together. They might right. live three doors down. You would right. never know because largely because we never talk to our neighbors, right? Um, but, right. <laughs> but like, you, you just don't know. And actually, if this is the largest growing movement in christianity i can guarantee there are people in your city that believe like this the question is how do we get them to connect how do we get them but the point being that this is a lonely lonely group Mm. and and for them to see a meme pop up on facebook or instagram and go this person gets me for them to be able to send me a message and say hey this is my experience and i can say hey i talk to hundreds of people like you every day you are not alone i'm so sorry this happened to you yeah this is not okay if you ever need to talk to someone i'm here um, and they can say, is there like, what does this mean? Do I just pack it in with Christianity? I'm like, that is an option, but yeah. the, you don't have to, you don't have to, because that's maybe the first time they've heard you don't have to. Right. That's maybe the first time they've heard there's hundreds of people like you. Yeah. That's maybe the first time they've gone, they've heard someone say, Hey, I'm actually here to talk to you and, and right. listen. And I'm not here to preach to you or to tell you to go back or what to do going forwards. I'm just here to listen and help you. Yeah. Um, these people have never had that. Yeah. Um, and, and this is an epidemic because, yeah. and I think this is the, the only, the only interaction I really care about having with people that are in church today mm. is to try and help them see what's happening and try and change their posture to people leaving ah. so that they're not pushing and not pointing, saying you're backsliding, you know, don't bother coming back until you change. But instead they're saying, Hey, would you go for coffee with me and explain your journey and talk to me about what happens? And I'm not going to try and change your opinion. I just want to learn. I want to hear. Because what they'll find is nine times out of 10, that person goes, oh yeah, I still believe in Jesus. I still believe he's coming back. I still believe in the Holy Spirit. I still believe in prayer. I pray with Jesus. I I love Jesus. And I love to meet up with other Christians and talk about Jesus. I love reading my Bible. But I just don't, like that tithing thing or i don't like the end time structure yeah or i can't i can't conceive of the miracle part well that's fine like you know at the end of the day you don't necessarily apart from maybe a resurrection there's not naturally that actual component where you have to believe in any miracles right that's not in any of the early creeds none of the creeds say by the way you have to believe that the coin came out the fish's mouth or you have to believe that leper got healed you don't have to believe that or, yeah, you can, or, you can, you can show them, Hey, there's this guy out there that writes that there's fish under Jesus's feet boom, that, you done, know, he was a right? circus or it's the rocks or it's, that was Moses, the tree, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the moon tree. Um, but th- that's at the end of the day, I don't care if that's where someone's at. I'm like, boss, oh, great. Yeah. You frame this, however you need to frame to help you continue to connect with God. Yeah. Uh, you don't call it God. You call it the divine. That's awesome. I don't care. I mean, he's not called mm-hmm. God anywhere in the Bible, right? right? Nowhere in the Bible is he called God because that's an English word that we've made up thousands of years later. Right? <laughs> so, and in the Bible, there's not even one word from it. It's like about 28 words right. every other page, you know, and half of right. them are borrowed from other languages and other gods. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like this thing's a mess. Like, don't right. worry about calling him God. Calling right. him Jesus. Well, I don't call him Jesus. I don't care. That guy's called Joshua. You know what I mean? Like, who yeah. cares? Like, he, why are we calling him? We should be more upset that we're calling him Jesus if, if we're going to be obsessed yeah. with a name, you know? And so even God wasn't concerned. Moses is like, what's your name? He's like, I am. Yeah. He's kind yeah of, I, I am. I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not too caught up in that whole thing. No, no. Kind of having fun no. with it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So, but, but I do, I do think there's a lot of concerns with, I think the, 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 the healing needs to come between two um, emerging groups that are people within institutional Christianity, people within institutional movements, denominations, churches, and people that are leaving. There needs to be more healthy communication between those two groups. For sure. So there we go. That's a great um, point on that. Um, going back to the church has an, an image problem, to also go back to the confirmation bias and the cognitive dissidence, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of tying that in. I'm somebody that still is in the church community. And so for people that are, there is probably a lot of that cognitive dissidence going on where maybe you can read the stats or visually see the, the uh, scenario where a lot of people are leaving the church and yet you're going, justifying, well, it's because they're backsliding. They never really believed. Yeah. Maybe, you know, there's something wrong with them. We have to keep doing what we're doing. So there's where the confirmation bias can play into it and go, no, we're right because we figured this out. I've, I've read the Bible. I've read all these other books. My spiritual leaders have told me that I'm right. So I have this bias going in my favor and I have this dissonance going where other people aren't seeing it. They're leaving. They're having problems. But I don't know if I'm going to change. Yeah. And where you're going, maybe if we're aware that this is going on, people are struggling, people are leaving, people are deconstructing. Yeah. If we can shed some of that co cognitive dissonance or confirmation bias, we can be a better bridge to help those yeah. people. Yeah. Well, I, I worked with um, a group uh, of, of leaders of, of a local church, um, well, localish, um, but we worked with them as in sat down and talked to them, you know, face to face. So that, that makes a lot of difference. You know, even, yeah. even over Skype or something, it can feel quite impersonal at times and doesn't feel quite as connected. Um, so, but a lot of the leaders I talk with, I'm like texting on Instagram, you know, never mind Skyping or, you know, like actually sitting down over a coffee. But yeah. I, I went and, and visited with these leaders every now and again, you know, a few times a year, probably over several years now, about three and a half, four years. And they had this just mass exodus, mostly young adults constantly yeah. leaving church, even their youth starting to leave church. And their yeah. church is just slowly aging, right? It's not growing, yeah, yeah. but it's getting older and older by the day. But and, that's and every, going, every church right. almost, right? Oh, yeah. a huge amount. Maybe not the mega churches or the super cool hit churches. And then okay. you start to think, oh, maybe if I have to become a super hit church, that will do it, right? So then right. you've got like churches of 40 people trying to bring in smoke machines and, you know, dress their, <laughs> you know, the 72-year-old pastor in skinny jeans or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. You know? like, yeah. um, but they're, they're trying and they really care. They do care. They're, they're genuine. Yeah. The fact they're doing certain things, they're creating a coffee shop because really – that's why people come to church because there's no good coffee in the world and we just come <laughs> to church for the good coffee on a Sunday, right? right? Of course not. Now having a good coffee shop in your church, if you do that, go for it. You do it. That's awesome. Right. Brilliant. But that's not why people are coming. Like let's right. kid ourselves, right? And there's a lot of cool, hip, great church, uh, coffee shops in your town that yep. beat your church coffee shop hands down, regardless of how good it is. I guarantee it. You know, yeah. even if you're in backwater Milwaukee. Um, oh, you know, even Milwaukee. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get comments on this. I'm, I'm going to go all in on the Milwaukee thing. Um, I, I want it to become like a meme, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Phil <laughs> you know, like, hates Milwaukee. <laughs> it's going to be like, That's not funny. never come to Milwaukee because. He's never allowed you know, to. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, if, if you're in Milwaukee and you want me to come and hang out, I would love to. Um, but <laughs> Too late. I, I, I don't like coffee, so that's why. <laughs> they're, they're all about beer. That's like the beer capital. That's oh, yeah, is. okay, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but the thing is, right, so that's, the, the, we're, because we're, the clear evidence of us starting coffee shops and starting this and trying to dress cooler and trying to have bigger music or better, we're, we're clearly thinking, what do young people want? How do we keep them here? Now, I posted a meme just a couple of days, probably a week ago, about it was a response of why young people say they left the church. And mm. there was about eight different reasons that were the biggest reasons. And they were 
this is from groups of thousands and thousands of people. It's not like a little survey done from one little church and they can go, yep. that church sucks at this. No, this <laughs> is across every denomination um, right. in the UK, across thousands of people. Um, and so this is UK data, so it's slightly different from the America. It's UK, UK data. Uh, yeah. No, data. How do we say it here? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, this is from the UK and, and it's showing very clearly young people saying we weren't allowed to ask questions. Yeah. Uh, sexuality was too strongly like preached on and told that we couldn't be this or couldn't be that. There mm-hmm. was this, there was that. Now you can go, well, tough luck. That's the way it is. That, that right. is an option, of course. And that's some people's response, but other people's response is to genuinely go, I don't understand why young people are leaving. They're just, they're just leaving. And we don't know. We don't know. And I'm like, you realize this data's here, right? You realize young people are telling you why they're yeah. leaving. You're just not listening. Right. Um, and so this group that I've right. been working with over like about three and a half, four years, I, I was working with them and, and they're constantly asking. I'm saying, look, I would try this. I would try opening up maybe one service a, a month. Why don't you have a Q&A? Or, or why don't you have a discussion as a group instead of a sermon? Why doesn't the pastor do a five-minute sermon and then just read a passage and maybe talk about it for a minute or two and then just open up a discussion? And everyone in the church can just chat about it. Um, you could break up around small tables or if your church is small enough that this church is quite a small church, yeah. you could just sit in a big circle and talk about it. Um, now they did experiment with that and they didn't like it. They didn't, they didn't like right. that there was different opinions and people didn't like there was different views. They just wanted one person up the front telling you, they wanted the pastors to tell them what to do and believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, I came to a, a point. Um, it was quite a while ago now actually, but um, the pastor and, and the leadership team sat down with me and they were saying, look, this is, and this is the first time they acknowledged that young people were leaving because of some of these points. They would try certain things, but they wouldn't acknowledge. They were like, oh, we just don't know. We could try some of these things, but we don't know why young people are leaving. Now, I talked right. to a lot of the young people that were leaving right. in their community. In fact, one of the reasons they first got in touch with me was because the new young people in their community that were left were in touch with me. And they were sharing things from me or whatever. Um, and so this first time, and it was about a year ago or so now, and the pastor and the leader sat down and said, Phil, they're like, we've come to the conclusion that what you're saying is right. Young people are leaving because we are not open to asking questions. We have quite a rigid belief, right? Um, but we just believe that's what we should have. And so if that means young people aren't going to be there, that's what it means. I'm sure okay. God will bring the right young people to us. And that was it. Okay. And we've not really talked since uh, yeah. a little bit of interaction online. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's great. If that's where you're at, you do you. But, and this is what I loved about it. This is the only thing that really I took away from it is you finally are not going to say, we don't know why there's no young people. They know why. They're right. just willing to go, right. we're just not going to compromise here. Yeah. Um, and this is one option of cognitive dissonance, isn't there? There's one right. option where you go, okay, we do know it, and we're just going to just choose not to. They've, um, they've, they've cleared up that dissonance, um, and they've gone in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And, and they've just gone, no, we're just going to rule out this option as being uh, a thing. Now, you can say what you like. I mean, I, I, I look at that and I'm like, oh, this is really unfortunate. I hope I've been vague enough that no one will figure out. You know, there's a lot of churches around me in the local kind of 150 miles or whatever. Um, yeah. It's not that local. So, um, but um, in my opinion, that church, unless it changes, will be dead in 20 years. Right. Because unless some sort of massive cultural shift happens yeah. and people are looking for that like black and white certainty suddenly. Um, yeah. I think that's a lot less common uh, in this day and age than it was 20, 30 years ago. I don't think young people are looking for black and white certainty nearly as much as they're looking for a place to explore ideas and engage with ideas. Um, that's my Remember opinion. We, from what we, we talked about this last time. There was an article written in 2008 that said in 10 years, we're going to see the just the absolute um, collapsing of evangelical mainline Christianity. Mm. Right. And this wasn't, I, I think it was written in a Christian-ish um, 
uh, journal or magazine or something like that. But this guy was saying, look at this next generation isn't going to be all for the typical mainline evangelical church. Wow. That model is going to collapse. And now 11 years later, I'm like, boy, was that person right? I think last podcast, we might've hit on it briefly, but it's like, so. th there was a lot of forethought or foresight there to this generation, not being cool with this structure. Again, yeah. is that the young people's bad, the church is bad? Let's just say nobody's or both. You know, mm. I don't want to put blame oh, on anybody. probably blame across the board on this, but it's but, also maybe but, just natural growth. It is, who it cares? It's, you know, it is, right? Yeah. That's what we're faced with. So um, you can ignore it if you want, but it is. So, um, you know, either churches are gonna die out because they're just all older, 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 mm -hmm. and then no more, or they're gonna change and maybe something new will yeah. form, which actually that's probably sounds like the best solution, right? Something that's new that's is gonna to come out of this. Constantly. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. Yeah. What happens with this group of, of people that are in that place of deconstructive yeah. questioning? Um, no church right now, no community right now, or, or maybe an online community. Where do we go from here? Is it more online, more communal based? Like, I'm intrigued. What's the next 10 years? And this bring? is what Christianity has done historically. You look at the early church, you've got all the Jews uh, that were saved by Jesus, these disciples, and they were going out into the nations and saving everyone, but they, they didn't, right? They basically all stayed in their little Jewish hub. So yeah, there was a Jewish community in Rome and a Jewish community in Corinth, but they were just the Jews that gathered in the Jewish groups yeah. right um, and it, it, they were very like puritan and they were very separate and because that was the jewish way and it took someone like paul coming along and going oh yeah you don't have to do any of the jewish stuff you're a pagan you do you but like maybe don't have orgies and maybe don't do this but like generally speaking no <laughs> yeah, cool right. come on in you know right and he's going into communities and going oh you say that uh, there's an unknown god that you all already worship but there's no real parameters apart from the fact that he's in everything and it makes everything exist that's Jesus. Let's do that. Right. Let's worship that one. Get rid of all <laughs> right. the other gods and just focus on that. Like he's like co-opting someone else's faith right. to just make it acceptable. Right? right. And this is what we did throughout history. We do this with our religious festivals, right? Easter, pagan festival, Christianity, pagan festival. Can we just rock up and we're like, oh, you're doing this? Why don't we just say that's about Jesus? Yeah. Right. Problem solved. Because right, this is and this is basically what Christianity is about. Pag or Christmas is about pagan cultures wouldn't let go of this one big festival. So Christians were like, well, what about if you could be a Christian and do the pagan festival still? Right. No. Yeah. What are there like little like gray, like terms and conditions? Only term and condition. Uh, you, you make it about Jesus instead of this God. And right. uh, instead of that God, you, you do this. And um, we focus on some stables. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do we still get presents? We still get to put a tree up. You know, we still get to put stuff around the tree. Yeah. Fine. Right. Trees are it's great. I love trees. God made trees awesome let's do it christianity woo! right right and so the thing is that the church needs to be remembering and this is where um uh i actually don't see uh so a lot of people within the evangelical community uh like label this emerging uh deconstructing movement as the emerging church or the progressive church now i think that pockets of deconstruction community are emerging in progressive church like kind of brian mclaren kind of like uh, yeah people. but i don't actually think that's quite common and i don't think that works for a lot of people in fact i actually think the progressive church is much like the evangelical church on the whole uh more so than either one want to admit uh, and yeah. that's my little tidbit but but i do think that the, the terms progressive are quite fascinating to me because in, in in many ways the evangelical church is intentionally a regressive movement Mm. It's, a, it's a movement that fights against any movement forwards and it's constantly looking in the past and going, that's what we want. Right. We used to do this. 
we used to have this family value. We used to have this way of doing church. We used to have this type of worship. We used to have this type of, and, and they're constantly just going, how do we, how do we rein this back in? How do we bring this back to where it was in the past? But yeah. actually that's never how Christianity works. Christianity was always marching forward going, there's a new people group. How do we make Jesus work in that context? Oh, you already like, you know, worship a God who died. Okay, well, let's just call that Jesus. And then we'll tell you, we resurrected and like, you know, and it's crazy the things that actually we used to do in, in right. study how Christianity spread throughout the world. Um, yeah. And I think we need to be more excited and open about, oh, there's people moving in this direction. How do we frame the core messages? I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying, oh, like, let's call, uh, let's like just rewrite the Quran with the word Jesus every time it mentions Allah. No, right. I, I'm not saying that. Um, right. But what I'm saying is, can you go into a, a Middle Eastern context and go, oh, you already worship, you already worship a God and it's the God of Abraham and, and, and you believe in a prophet Jesus. Okay, well, can I help you see different aspects of Jesus that might make you realize, wow, he was quite divine. He's right. divine on earth. Wow. And can I help you see that actually there's parts in your Quran that actually say, like you were saying, you know, the atheist says what the Christians are already saying. Or there's parts yeah. of your Quran that are saying basically the same thing as Christianity. I mean, right. on the whole, a lot right. of this stuff is pretty similar. And you could do that with most world religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, right. a lot of it is saying the same thing, right? The golden sure. rule is pretty much in all of them. Right. Um, and actually most of them said it before Jesus. Um, so, um, you know, like, it, it, I think we, we really need to be getting excited about the opportunity rather than grumbling and figuring out how do we pull these guys backwards? Right. We, how do we bring the message forward with them? Right. Um, because they're moving forward, whether we like it or not. Sorry, it's just right. a rant, but... That's all I get we do here. About this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Nothing new here. I love it. No. No. Uh, it's it's exciting. It's really. I I I for. There's, there's too much to talk about. I mean, that's why I'm just kind of pausing. You know. Oh, it, it's huge. And we've been going what a couple of hours, I guess, almost. Um, if but, somebody's still listening, boy, that's that's interesting. Commitment. Commitment. That's commitment. It's the new podcast though, isn't it? We were talking about it. It said podcasts are getting longer and longer. Seems, They're getting so. so long. So like I said, either something has to be like 30 seconds or less with yeah. subtitles on, mm -hmm. you know, oh, social I'm media. Not switching my phone on <laughs> off silent. No or it can be a five and a half hour podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. in a 10 but part a, series. But a video that's four minutes long. Oh no way. It's the I'm worst thing. That. No way. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not worth it. No. That's so funny. Well, yeah, that's cool. Dude, this was a, this was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed this a lot. Again, hopefully, I mean, we, we might have made uh, people in deconstructive upset image pastors a little bit upset. I don't know. That's not our intention ever, but our intention is to uh, obviously just get thoughts out there, concepts, maybe get somebody to think about do I have confirmation bias? You know, what can I deconstruct that I haven't? Am I deconstructing mm -hmm. too much? So I just like hitting all these points and, and not really coming down super hard and, and with hard and fast rules on any of this, this stuff. But if we can just get people to think about things, um, I'm cool with that. That's good. It's really, hey, good. this is, this is your podcast and your platform. So, you know, you can do with any, we didn't even say anything. We didn't say anything too radical or too extreme. We were very, not, not for usual. No, we were very polite, very well behaved actually. Well, yeah. I'm impressed with that. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did a great job. Well behaved. The only thing we did was insult people from uh, Milwaukee, which is fine, right? Yeah, but they're in Milwaukee. I mean, like, what? Do they even have flights out to the UK? I'm fine. Probably I'm not. You're safe. <laughs> this is what? this is the part. 
this is the part where we kind of like start backtracking and bailing on things and softening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. <laughs> whatever. No, Milwaukee is amazing. Yeah, you know, it's, oh, it's awesome. I love that place. Love I've never been. So me either. Yeah, I have never been to that whole region of the U.S. You know that? Like that we like, whole area, like just is a mystery to me. We should do a tour, man. Yeah, dude. We need to. Well, we're doing. We're well. I say we're doing a tour. I'll be in your area. I'll be in New England in. Is yep. it April? I mean. April, like 8th through 20th. So contact me if you're local and you know me. Contact Phil if you want to get in touch with me or uh, book something through him. Uh, we'll yeah. do something. Because we'll do somebody. something. We'll, we'll probably be touring around to some degree. I know we'll be yeah. like kind of Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, for we might sure. Down towards like New York kind of area. Yeah. I mean, we'll Connecticut, be, whatever. We'll yeah. 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 Let's we do it. We could potentially go over to Wisconsin, right? I mean, it might be the only thing we do, but. If it really catches fire and like Milwaukee becomes a thing, you know, we'll do Milwaukee that. Milwaukee becomes like the, the deconstruction hub of America. <laughs> yeah. It's like the biggest thing. A mega church of deconstructions. But there you go. See, well, who knows go. what's going to happen? Who, yeah. Who knows? You know, with you as the pastor, right? Because you want to be a pastor. The non-pastor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd be the most frustrating pastor. Maybe somebody, if you like my personality, I guess maybe you'd like it. And I have some things I could say, but it, it would just, boy, would that be interesting? Oh man. Yeah. I Too often, many jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I often think, I mean, all I do is drive people insane. And most of the time, not even intentional, a little bit intentional sometimes. But you're but, one of my favorite speakers out there because you're entertaining, you're thoughtful. It, it's just, I love it. It's but you funny. get bored of me very quickly if I was week in, week out showing up, doing the same shtick. I don't know. You wouldn't want me to show up in the hospital to pray for you, you know, because I'm That'd like, be awesome, well, you man. know, here's the thing. I'd love to pray for you to be healed, but let's look at the five different ways that this actually works <laughs> theologically. And we shouldn't probably nail down too quickly on any one view. Uh, here's this meme I found and... of uh, praying for people in the hospital. It's so funny. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe I would be a bit more gracious than that. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. I would. I think so. Uh, yeah so all that to say we're definitely not gonna um, start a church in new england together uh, uh, not yet it doesn't look like new england yeah a, probably not never called so. <laughs> yeah but dude this is awesome yeah i've really enjoyed it man thanks so much for uh, coming on do, do you want people to connect to you i usually like say like hey if you want to connect with dan like check him out on twitter or whatever how about you like, no because no, really. that's all just uh that's not like that oh how about my video with John plug your music or no, not Sorry. music. I just did a video with John Crowder like a month ago. Oh, um, yes. So look up the Jesus Trip and you'll see it's about announcements, church announcements. It's the longest interview on church announcements in history. Nice. There you go. Like half and, an hour. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is someone messaged me the day that you posted that and I watched mm -hmm. it twice because I watched it and I found it so funny and I watched oh, it nice. again with my wife and we laughed. So I've watched 40 minutes of church announcements. Uh, there you um, go. But uh, that day, someone messaged me and they were like, oh, my church has just uh, put me in the position of being in charge of church announcements. Oh, like, perfect. Thank honestly, you, God. the first time someone has ever sent me this message and they were like, do you have any like advice? And I was like, You're yes, kidding, right? I was like, this, this is like, I was like, if ever I have doubts that there is a God right now, it's immediately just gone out the window. I fully believe in God. Um, but I sent her your link and like, it was probably about. You I never heard back. Nine minutes after it was marked seen, she like starts writing. She's like, I'm not sure I really fully get this. Is this a joke? And I was like, this is so funny. Oh, I was just so like, good. just keep watching. And yeah. she was like, okay, so it's definitely a joke. So. 
Ah, that's awesome. I, but there I could go. not believe that that was uh, just perfect because no one ever asked me that. I, the, this is the oh. thing, right? This is the thing with the pastors being expected to have all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. Who sends me a message, right? And, and, and mm. the person listening to this, like, no, if, if, if you're out there listening to this, like, this is meant as nothing is, is bad about you or anything. But I'm like, me, like, why on earth do people look at me and think, this guy, this guy's got some stuff to tell, like, wise words about how to give church announcements? I'm like, this is you- not me. Right, because you've mean, been to ten thousand churches, but right, yeah, I've heard a lot of announcements, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I put them online, send out a text. That's my <laughs> that's my answer, right? Replace the person with a phone. <laughs> hey, but you knew to send them to my video, so that's good. That's true. So, what was is Jesus trip church announcements? It's, it's, so it's on John Crowder's page. Yep, yeah, John Jesus Crowder. trip. It's uh, probably a couple of Jesus trips ago. You yep. you will you will have a good laugh if you do that. Honestly, it, it's funny. I loved it. You, you. you both were like full deadpan as well. Like it was legit. Yeah. It was serious, man. I was, re- was that one take or was there a few takes? It was one take straight. No, it wasn't wow. scripted. People are like, Oh, how long did it take? You know, we didn't script it. We didn't, you didn't practice even script it. it. No, he, he makes, wrote the question. That makes he, things like deadpan so much harder though. If there's, if you don't he wrote know. the questions ahead of time and then just asked them. And that's yeah. so funny. So it was funny. awesome. Oh, I love it. Dude, dad, I absolutely love you, man. Uh, I'm excited. You too, man. Well, I'll be over again in April anyway. So we're going to do some traveling together. We'll probably do some Q and A's in different people's homes and hang out, host discussions. Maybe um, we could do another pod we'll or Facebook do another live. Podcast. Yeah. 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 And maybe a Facebook live. We did that last time. Maybe we should do that Instagram works. live because Instagram is like just better oh, yeah. these days. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'd love that. So Absolutely. Yeah, keep, keep an eye out for that in April. And again, if you want to, if you want to do some traveling uh, or you want to come to some of our events, shoot us a message before April. Yes. Um, after April, less likely. To less see likely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably be back again. Unless yeah, we have so. like a huge falling out somehow. That Very like possible. Remarkably. <laughs> I think we've never done it yet. But. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Me and you? Or I, I oh, thought you meant no, with... me and you. Yeah. Oh, I'm no. Like, whoa. I'm like, whoa. How possible is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, after Very this podcast, likely. maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll be good forever. It's, um, we'll see about others around us. Yeah. We'll just slowly be visiting less and less churches throughout <laughs> our careers. And then hopefully more and more as things change yeah, and yeah. this more than likely. catches fire. Certainly yeah. more and more communities and people. Are, yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Beautiful. Yeah, awesome, Dan. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Anyway, Love Appreciate you, man. It.